Well, that's great. How about you, Doug? You're muted. Muted. For our listeners, Doug is usually a Christian man, but I can read lips. (laughs) You know what? I did say fudge. Not the F dash 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 word. The grand great granddaddy of all swear words. It wasn't me. That wasn't what I said. I'm sorry, Scott. I thought I was on mute and I coughed there. So you're going to edit this out too. Everybody's screwing up tonight. Scott, you're muted, buddy. Okay. Doug, Doug, you're muted. Poor Doug. Still muted. Holy flirting Schmidt. (laughs) (laughs) Ivan, are you done eating? It's ice cream. It's practically not food. I hope it's soft. I have nothing. I'm enjoying my ice cream. Okay. And. Oh, there's another page. Yeehaw. Oh. (laughs) Yeehaw. Welcome one and all to episode 57 of the Plastic Posse Podcast. I hope everyone is doing well and had fun and a safe Halloween. Joining me today are my co-hosts TJ Haller, Doug Smith, Scott Gentry, Sir Ivan Jensen, and the one and only Top Gun, John Bonani. We have a huge episode for you, so sit back, relax, get some coffee or some adult beverages because here we go. First, we have a feature roundtable discussion with the recent MMSI show in Chicago with Scott, TJ, and the wonderful guys over at Small Subjects Podcast. We also have another roundtable for the upcoming Telford show with JB, Ivan, Graham, Luke, and Jackson. We will also discuss a few other shows and events later in the podcast. But first, let's go around the room and see what everyone's currently working on and any builds they have planned for this upcoming holiday. Ivan? So I made a commitment to not work on any scale models between now or last week and when I get back from Telford. Uh, I didn't want to get back from a week away with a half-finished project on the table. So nothing is being worked on apart from I've been playing a lot of Battlefield 1 with TJ and Jackson. And I've been having a lot of one-to-one lessons with Jackson regarding Fusion 360 and CAD and design and stuff because I've got a 3D printer. With, I think we've all got 3D printers. I was getting more annoyed. It's like, well, rather than just keep printing stuff that I find online, I really, really need to learn to design stuff myself, whether it be plaques or plinths or bases or whatever. One night I learned how to do all my plaques. That looks really cool. I'm, I'm absolutely addicted to making those now and bases for figures and plinths and stuff. So I've got the basic understanding of how to make them. It's really fun. It becomes really addictive once you know how to do it. I know TJ's been doing it. Uh, but yeah, that's that's all I've really been doing, gaming and designing stuff. Well, that's great. How about you, Doug? Okay. So let's see. In the last couple of weeks, I had the group build with Models for Vets, which I will talk about later. I've been working on the Tamiya 48 scale Yag Panther and the Tiger. And for kicks and giggles the other night, I just felt like doing something but didn't want to really work on paint. So I pulled out the little Bandai 144 scale Razor Crest. Had it together in four in about 20 minutes, and it's now in paint. So I'm working on that. That's great, Doug. How about you, Scott? 
Well, to be honest, my bench hasn't been all that productive. I've been working on a bunch of other things, but you know, main thing is just trying to figure out what my next big project is. I have been working on a uh, Suyata 148 scale T90 that my good friend Grant Mayberry uh, gave to me as a gift. That's been a bit of a challenge with the tracks on that tank, but it's a pretty good kit overall. So we got through that. And uh, But as far as the bench, uh, that's about all. A lot of modeling adjacent stuff. <laughs> we all understand that. How about you, JB? Uh, it's been pretty busy here. Traveling for work and pretty busy at work, but I have found time to finish the Panzer Gray hashtag blue Samoa. So that's been the uh, attention I've been giving. I was actually just before the recording, I strategically placed the lens for the front light on a paint bottle. I'm like, I'm not going to lose it. I'm going to put it right here. Well, um, you know, in my stupidity, I decided to clean the bench and I put that said bottle in a basket to put away. And now the lens is gone. So what I will likely do is my token technique is I will vacuum the area and then sort through the vacuum material. And that has proved successful in the past in finding stuff. That's a little frustrating. But other than that, that's the main project here. That will probably be the last project before Telford. So I think I'll call it after this. In the next few days is just kind of picking out what I want to take. That's great. Yeah, put a pantyhose over the end of your vacuum. That's the way I do it. And just screw around and hopefully find it that way. What about you, TJ? Well, I've been like in a big figures mood lately, which is cool. I painted my first 75 millimeter figure just the other day. Actually, I finished it, uh, I think, last week. It's pretty cool. It's an Austro-Hungarian uh, pioneer officer from World War One. Put on a little base um, from a company called Vice 75. I think they're pretty new. They're from Hungary. It was pretty neat. And then the day after I finished that, I painted a 116 scale bust in like a day and a half. That was pretty fun. It was just a get something done while I'm in the mood. And then I bought a bunch of more figures, some more busts, and I have a trickle of things coming in the uh, mail this week. And then yesterday I started another 75 millimeter uh, figure from FER Miniatures. It's a Knights Hospitaller Sergeant at Arms from the Siege of Acre in 1191. That would be the third crusade if anyone uh, is counting their crusades. So I painted the face today. I posted about it in a group and it was not going the way I wanted it to go. It was one of those days as we talked about a couple episodes ago. So I got it kind of to a point where I like it and I'm going to let it sit for the night and look at it tomorrow. Yeah, those figures are looking fantastic. I really love the metal on your bust. The axe is phenomenal in the helmet, too. They both look really, really great. Thank you. The Triple P is sponsored by Tankcraft, makers of highly realistic aftermarket 3D printed tank tracks in 135th scale. Tankcraft Pro Tracks are as real as it gets. These tracks are designed to be very accurate. They're based on actual tracks, not just copies of previously produced model parts. These are modeled in one-to-one scale, and then they are scaled down to 135th and then test-fitted on all the major brand kits. I can personally say that these tracks are high quality and they are super detailed. Layer lines are practically invisible to the naked eye, and what little cleanup is needed is a breeze. So go over to tankcraft.com right now that's t-a-n-k-r-a-f-t dot com and get yourself a set of pro tracks and while you're there check out some of the other dope scale modeling stuff that tank craft makes your bench will thank you and just as a reminder posse fans can take 15 percent off their first order using the code posse 15 at checkout 
All right. Now I'd like to introduce a special segment. This is with Doug, Scott, and Jim Bates, the friendly Canadian from up north. Well, kind of up north, uh, just south of the border, actually. But this will be introducing a 72 and 72 hour group build over the Thanksgiving holiday, November 25th, 26th, 27th. I'm excited for it. So listen up. I'm joined today with Doug and our good friend from the Pacific Northwest, our transplanted Canadian friend, Jim Bates. How are you doing, Jim? I'm doing great, eh? We've been looking for you. You've been lost out in the wilderness out in Canada. You know, we've had the Mounties out looking for you, but we finally ran you down. Yeah, I was uh, I was hanging out with Sasquatch and finally got home. So uh, it was fun out in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> you got to go to some pretty awesome museums. Yeah, I didn't quite get to do everything I wanted to do. I got up to the new Kelowna Flightcraft Center, which has a mosquito and a tempest. And then I was also up in Canada for the IPMS Vancouver show, which was awesome. But what I've learned is turning 50, I'm not sure I can get up at 4 a.m., drive up to Vancouver, <laughs> do the whole show, have dinner and get home at 1 a.m. anymore. So I think next year I'm going to get a hotel room one of those nights. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. I hear you there. Well, uh, you know, the listeners are going to want to know. So we got to ask, how is uh, your co-star? How is the cornbread doing? Well, we got a problem. Everybody is a huge cornbread fan and he's realized this. So he's demanding more money. And I'm not sure we have the production costs. So we may have to replace him with a cheaper stuffed pug in the future. Um, because he's off asking for like millions of dollars an episode. And I just, I don't have that kind of budget. All right, Jim, you wanted to do something with us and that is a group build of some sort. Do you want to tell us a little bit about it? Yeah. So I really enjoyed when we 48 hour group build for models for heroes, which was earlier in the year, March, maybe I don't remember exactly when it was. And I thought, Hey, You know, 48 hours is kind of pushing it, but 72 hours, that's a long weekend. So I thought it would be fun to do a 72 in 72 group build over the U.S. Thanksgiving weekend. We would officially start at 12.01 Friday morning, and we would wrap up at um, 11.59 on Sunday. Now, Doug has pointed out before we got on that doesn't leave much room for the reveal. But hey, we can reveal when we all wake up on Monday. I trust everybody. The thought here is just build, get together, do some live streams, anything 172, be it Bandai Star Wars, be it a tank, be it an airplane. Heck, if you got a 172nd scale frog, join us. Um, Anything is game. Just want to have some fun, get everybody together and get building. You know how big a 172nd scale frog would be? I know, but but John Everett would find something cool to do with it. Oh, he'd do it. (laughs) That sounds great. I'm definitely going to be in uh, Thanksgiving, usually, you know, after the normal family stuff. I'm usually hiding out, you know, Black Friday is the last time I want to be out and about in the world. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely down for that. Well, That'll that's my good. thought is none of us want to be out shopping Black Friday. So let's put in an event on the calendar to give us an excuse to stay at the bench and build. The other thing is it'll get one more model done by the end of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we will 
post more details as we get closer, but look to the Plastic Posse group on Facebook and we'll just throw up live streams and, you know, have people who, who want to join us. If it gets too big, we'll throw up a Zoom. We'll all just hang out, eat turkey sandwiches and build models. That's what I'm hoping for. I've also posted something up on the Escale Canadian uh, Facebook page, but probably best just to look at the Posse. And yes, I did work in 90s alternative rock into the post because, well, I'm me. I gotta. And by the way, you didn't ask, but the mountain is not out today. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) So while I'm here, if you don't mind, I want to promo something else that's coming up, which is... Funny story, we have this show February 18th and 19th at the Museum of Flight. It's always been called the Spring Show, and this is my first official year taking it over. Due to Scott not understanding it wasn't really called Model Mania and referring it to as Model Mania, I've decided it's now going to be named Model Mania. So we're doing it again at the Museum of Flight. This is a display-only show. Anybody who brings models and wants to display gets their own table. If it's something that you're part of the posse and you're only doing one or two models, maybe we could do a posse table. But generally, we do it by modeler. Bring models. If you bring models, you get in the museum free. It's Saturday and Sunday, 18 and 19. We're having our usual seminars, but I am trying my best to work some new things in. And we're going to have some hands-on seminars from some people you've probably never heard of. Some guy named Banani and another guy named Rick Lawler. I don't think anybody knows who they are. They're going to be doing some presentations. Might try to get uh, Dr. Strangebrush, but we're stuck there because he can't spray. But he'll be doing his typical airbrush presentation. And I'm hoping uh, to get some other people in. I was reading about, I think it was Euromilitaire, or how a lot of the, the, the European shows have actual hands-on modeling. And I thought, we need to work that in here in America. Enough of uh, just standing up and lecturing. Let's do some other things. And I can announce here for the first time, we will have the demos, the hands-on demos will be under the tail of the Blackbird. The show we went to last year was a lot of fun. Really got to, you know, spend some time in the museum. Not enough. John and I were running around uh, every chance we could. Oh, let's go check out the Concord, you know, or, (laughs) or whatever. But I mean, any model show is always great. But a model show underneath an SR-71 or whatever the model is of the Blackbird is just awesome. Well, I believe it's the only model show in the world that, and I believe it's the M21, but you can look at models under a Blackbird. You can then go look at a Spitfire, a Mustang, a Thunderbolt, a P-38, and then you can go across the way and go into a 747 and a Concorde. There's a lot to do. Uh, What a lot of people tell me is it's a lot to take in in two days. A few people have said, well, you don't have vendors, but Skyway Hobby Shop is a short 10-minute drive down the road, and I'm sure they will have a sale as they always do. So you can find more information at the Museum of Flight's website, which is museumofflight.org, or you can shoot me an email to rcaf.com lawyerpilot at gmail.com. If you're interested, our two special themes, we're doing a Black History Month demonstration or uh, display, and we're doing a display on the world of Gundam. So I'm also trying to get more than just airplanes and tanks. And my hope is we'll have a nice uh, everything from the world of modeling. Plan here is to be inclusive, exclude everybody, and just looking forward to getting a lot of different models on the table. Well, we'll have a, a pretty good contingent of 
posse and posse adjacent folks that are coming up. We have guys from Colorado, Oregon, California, Utah, of course, uh, that'll all be making our way up there. So it's going to be. I think we got a young man from Las Vegas coming as well. Yep. Exactly. So, uh, yes, we'll have all all your come meet all your famous uh, posse heroes. Doug's going to be there then. Yes, yes, we sure hope so. You did say heroes, right? Yep, that's that's why I said Doug will be there. And so I think for sure we got uh, John Grant and Scott. Doug's a maybe. Excellent. Is Ivan coming out? And is he going to wear his Lord outfit? That's all I want to know. Well, the Lord outfit, or else at least some good lounge trousers. You know. Well, as I think I told you, Scott, when I heard there could be lounge trouser merch, I'm in. Actually, if you guys do lounge trousers, I'll wear them to Commie Fest. <laughs> that would be excellent. <laughs> That's worth it. That's worth it just for that. Lounge so. trousers and the tie-dye shirt. It'll be wicked. Thank you guys for having me on. And the Museum of Flight thing is President's Day weekend. Just to remind everybody, get planning. I'm starting the hype train going, and we're going to have all kinds of cool seminars. If there is anybody who is really good at something and would like to do a seminar, please give me a call. I'm open to that. We'll have some Gundams. We'll have some uh, education about uh, aviation and, and black history, and we'll have a whole lot of models. Awesome. Well, Thanksgiving weekend starting at 12.01 on Friday, 72 in 72 group built with a scale Canadian TV as well as the plastic posse. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun. So if you uh, are sitting around in your jammies, jump on your bench, grab a 72nd scale Arma Mustang or a Bandai X-Wing or something, and we'll have a good time. And then February 18th and 19th, the Northwest Scale Modelers Model Mania Show, the Museum of Flight. Now it's time for the Mac Group Build update. The Triple P Mac Group Build is sponsored by our new partner, Bases by Bill. Bases by Bill specializes in display cases and bases for scale models. Built by modelers for modelers, their premium quality display cases are available for any model and size. Check out their website at basesbybill.com to see their new custom display products for busts and figures. Their custom size display bases from 4 to 30 inches provide the perfect foundation for scenery and vignettes. If you don't see what you need, just ask. Chances are they can make it for you. Use the code POSSE at checkout to apply a 50% listener discount to your order. Bases by Bill for all your model display needs. All right, so over on the group build, and speaking of bases by Bill, Scott posted the sweet custom base that they made for us in uh, honor of the group build. A really cool picture of it. It's in the group. He posted, I think, today, which would be Friday, the 4th. Uh, it's pretty freaking sweet. So that's not the only highlight. But if you go over to the group, make sure you look at that and bask in its awesomeness because it's really, really neat. Um, as far as work being done, Stephen Reed is cranking out his, I'm not sure what it is. It's, it's an FAS, S-A-F-S of some variety. I don't remember. It might be a Prowler. He's just posted the arms and the feet, and um, they all have the same arms and feet. So it could be any, any just about anything. It's um, it's pretty cool. He's very interesting, heavily weathered look. Lots of chipping is really cool. And then uh, Rob Perlman today posted his raccoon. It's uh, black and red. It's pretty neat. And I can't not mention 
again. Cliff Herring's amazing Mark 44 that he's working on. He's got it all primed now. And all of the little details he added look look really sweet. And all the casting marks, which are all, I think they're almost all Easter eggs. So he's told us about one of them, which is pretty neat. Yeah, just all around good work going on. Now it's time for our roundtable discussion of the recent MMSI show in Chicago with Scott, TJ, and the guys over at Small Subjects. Sit back, grab a beverage, and enjoy. Welcome to another Triple P interview slash roundtable segment. Today, Scott and I are joined by the two hosts of the terrific podcast, Small Subjects, Barry Beater and Jim Deergottis. How are you guys doing? Good. Great. Thank you for inviting us. Oh, thanks for uh, taking the time to come on here with us. Uh, yeah. For those of you that haven't heard Small Subject or haven't heard Small Subjects before, it's a podcast devoted to discussing scale modeling, diorama building, sculpting, and painting miniature figures. Barry and Jim are also the editors editors of the website boxdioramas.com, and they both have decades of experience as modelers. And importantly, for the purpose of this interview, they are also both dedicated members of the Military Miniature Society of Illinois, where they consider the great Chet Payne as a good friend and mentor. Jim, for our listeners who may not be familiar with small subjects or boxdioramas.com, can you tell us about your website and how you and Barry first became friends, assuming that you guys actually like each other? It depends. Well, he has COVID right now, and he didn't give it to me, although he was staying with me while we were at the MSI show. So I guess you're still my friend, Barry. Yeah, I I am. We actually were ordered to become friends by Shep Payne. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, Shep was a stalwart of the uh, Military Miniature Society of Illinois and the head judge. And I kind of... uh, got roped into being his lackey. I mean, he would say assistant head judge in training, but mainly I carried everything and did all the work while he sat there and entertained visitors uh, to the judge's room. Uh, I did that for about 10 years, and I've been head judge since he passed at the show about seven years ago. And um, Barry would come to the show, and, uh, you know, Shep in his... I would, I was going to say inimitable, but I do a fairly good chef imitation. You know, the first, <laughs> yeah, you, you got to meet this guy. He, uh, you know, you got a lot in common. He likes music. You like music. Uh, young guy, you got to meet him. So, um, uh, we did and, and we became friends and we wound up running the back end of, uh, the judging at World Expo in 2015 in Chicago and, uh, whenever Barry's been able to make it, which is to say when there hasn't been a plague, he's been um, helping me with the judging in Chicago. I visited him, my wife and I, in Utah several times. He's been here every year. I mean, we're, we're good pals. Yep. And it's all Chef's fault. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Tell me a little bit about BoxDioramas.com. Well, you know, Chef Payne thought that the box diorama was the pinnacle of, of what he'd done in modeling. And, of course, he was very proud of uh, the individual figures he'd sculpted, the famous Hysterex pieces he'd done, and all of those monogram armor and airplane models. I had done this when I was a kid, teenage years, late teens, college, sex, drugs, and rock and roll interfered. Really, it was only rock and roll. The other two were aspirational. (laughs) I returned to it, uh, I guess, about more than 20 years ago, 25 years ago. And, you know, I was a reporter. I I was the pop music critic at the Chicago Sun-Times for 15 years. 
I covered all of popular music and Ebert covered movies. It was the best job in the world for a very long time until newspapers began to go extinct. So I just told the features editor, there's this club in Chicago, and I've always been interested in miniatures, and I'm going to go interview this legendary guy, Shep Payne. And I did. And uh, we spent a nice day together in his inimitable way again. He <laughs> says, I said, Shep, I love your books. I have how to, how to Build Dioramas, both editions, you know, how to paint figures, your armor book, your photography book even. How come there's never been a great art book of everything you've done in your career? And he said, you want to do it? It's all yours. <laughs> so, you know, he had photographed everything he'd ever done, uh, and he had no pieces of his own. I mean, everything he'd ever done, he'd sold. It, it was his livelihood. So working with him for a year or so, doing dozens of interviews uh, for that book, I, I modeled it on, if you've ever taken a film class in college, for a good 20 years there, obligatory reading was uh, a Truffaut Hitchcock. Francois Truffaut took Alfred Hitchcock through every film he'd made as a Q&A and asking, you know, as a filmmaker himself, he knew the questions to ask Hitchcock. And he was also a critic before he became a filmmaker, Truffaut. Truffaut was the guy in, uh, what was it, Barry? Close Encounters of the Third Kind? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's right. the, the French scientist. He was also mm -hmm. one of the leading French directors of the French New Wave. So talking to his hero, who was a filmmaker, being a filmmaker and a critic, he knew exactly the questions to ask. I was trying to do that with Shep. And that book is uh, was a labor of love, and people seemed to really love it. And finally, all of Shep's entire career was in one place. So, yeah, that's how kind of I got back into it. And he, you know, boxes the boxes. And they were collected by Malcolm Forbes and Andrew Wyeth, the great painter. Uh, he considered those the ultimate diorama because not only were you telling a story as you would in an open diorama, but you were controlling what the viewer saw, controlling the light, which is a whole other element on top of painting and sculpting. So I began to try it and Barry began to try it. And I think I still agree. Barry, Barry likes to be contentious sometimes. He'll say, I don't know if it's the ultimate. I, he's just wrong. It's the ultimate form <laughs> diorama. Uh, because it's the most difficult. But when you pull it off, it's the most rewarding. I think you get sucked into that scene in a way that no one else uh, in modeling does uh, outside of a box. It, as great as any freestanding diorama or vignette is, there's something magical about those boxes when you do them right. You know, and I've scored maybe one out of <laughs> or two or three work out of two dozen, but. And it's as if you're peering into a, another miniature world. That's that's what I like about it. Yeah. So, Barry, can you tell us about how you guys first came up with the idea for Small Subjects, the podcast? Oh, man. I I think it, it came from uh, about, uh, what, a year and a half ago. We did a, a presentation for MMSI. Uh, uh, they were doing the Zoom meetings, COVID going on. I didn't know if I could even do it. Right up to the last minute, I was ready to just tell Jim, yeah, I think you're on your own. But we, they had us talk about box dioramas, and, and it went fairly well, I, I believe, didn't it, Jim? People really enjoyed it. Barry uh, gets nervous with public speaking, and uh, I mean, I think he was like physically going to be ill before we hmm. did that. And, Joan, uh, Joan mixed me a couple of strong drinks first. Yeah, that helps. That that's helps. that's when I realized that that yeah, I need a couple drinks. But, but yeah, when, that's but when, when we found, <laughs> I, you could have knocked me over with a feather. 
It's like when you realize that if you want to do a podcast, you have to talk. Yeah, right? but when I found out that I could actually do it, I thought, you know, yeah. this could be a cool podcast. And I'd actually been listening to you guys, and I figure, I figured if uh, if they could I'm, do it, you could. <laughs> no, 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 I figured if another dude from Orem, Utah, could be on a podcast, then yeah. I could do it. So you know, years ago there was a punk rock song by a, a band in Chicago called "Blogs or Cries for Help," and I think right now we're almost <laughs> at the point where podcasts are cries for help. They'll just let anybody do it. Wow, I was feeling pretty good about myself until then. Jim, going back to MMSI, can you tell us a little bit about the organization, when it started, how it's evolved from when it began to what it is now? Yeah, I mean, at fifty-eight, I'm. Still one of the youngsters. And Pat, Pat Vest, the show chair, who Scott Gentry met in, in Chicago, is 60. And, you know, we're the young guys. You know, it, it, it has its roots back in the 50s. It was originally a group of Chicago area toy soldier collectors. There's still a fair number of toy soldier guys. There's Mark's guys. And then there's the fancier toy soldiers that, you know, one hand painted figure, badly painted by modeling standards, uh, you know, can sell for $500. Dave Fontaine's and, and Burdue's, uh, all of which I know nothing about. I, they just talk about that. But there was the shares in, interest in, uh, in history for these guys. And when Shep got out of the army and went to the University of Chicago, he was uh, paying his way through school, uh, the GI Bill, but he was driving a taxi. And then he realized he could do these figures and sell them. And uh, and that became his career. He just fell in love with Chicago and with the group, and he never left. So there's a lot of guys. Uh, Scott met Joe Burton. Uh, he's the president right now, uh, mainly because nobody else wants to be the president. <laughs> quit. Um, uh, you know, I get Joe's retired. He's a retired art teacher. I mean, he was 16 or 17 when he met Shep, you know, and now he's 70 something, you know. <laughs> so a lot of these guys are older, but a lot of the new members uh, that have come in have come through fantasy or uh, armor modeling, you know, Greg Sealar, Andy Golden, fantasy realm. Uh, Noelle Meyer is a big name and she's really up the club's game on that end of things. So we have people who are figure painters, who are sculptors, who are just history buffs, who are toy soldier people. You know, the meetings tend to be presentations on a particular historical topic or uh, a modeling session, uh, but it's not all just modeling. And many of those guys, you know, Pat hasn't painted anything, our show chair, in about 10 years. He keeps talking about doing it. They still love each other's company. I think it's a, it's a social group as much as it's an interest group. I, I can hear Pat complaining about you saying that because he said he had a piece in last year's show. He had so one, one figure in 10 years. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's something. Uh, it's like I did that before lunch, you know, badly, but you know, I did it. <laughs> how do you know about how many members there are? Well, you know, I think of the local crew, there's about 120, 130, but we don't see all of them all the time. We have a quarterly journal, which is free. And if anyone, you know, interested in, in Plastic Posse uh, wants to be a subscriber, it's a quarterly electronic publication that we send out. And we have about 800 subscribers. And that really exploded. Uh, you know, in the old days, they would do it as a print publication and you had to pay dues to join the club. And uh, you'd get this in the mail and then you had it. About three quarters of the year, every year, was spent trying to get guys to pay their dues. 
You know, <laughs> you know, I, I said Circa the World Expo in 2015, where we had, I don't know how many exhibitors, Barry. MMSI this past weekend had about 150. We had probably three or 400 for World Expo. I just said, look, let's make membership the MMSI free. And with it, the scabbard is basically an advertisement for the show. You know, so we had modelers who would come this year from Malta, from Greece, from Canada. Some of the usuals had not come from Sweden or the UK. But we had a it, gentleman from Mexico as well. We had somebody from Mexico City. You know, it goes uh, year to year. So we have about 800 scabbard subscribers. I would say basically everybody who's interested in the figure hobby, which obviously is much smaller than the plastic hobby, knows of the MMSI and is a scabbard subscriber. Yeah. Well, since you, you briefly touched on the show and I already know how you're going to respond to this question because I've talked to you about it in person and I've listened and I've listened to all of your guys' episodes. So, and I know I, I think we're pretty much on the same page here, but for those of us out there that don't know, what would be, what is the major differences between attending MMSI versus say IPMS nationals or even amps? I don't know. Yeah, Jim, I don't know how familiar you are with AMPS. I know Barry is familiar with yeah. the AMPS. No, I, I know AMPS as well. And I knew IPMS, uh, although I'd never attended until this year's nationals, uh, mainly because Shep uh, had fought for 25, 30 years to get them to open their minds. So, you know, I mean, your <laughs> question's about the open system. But I would say, first and foremost, there's a mindset difference with the MMSI show with the MFCA show in Philadelphia, with the Atlanta Figures show, with the one in uh, in uh, Oklahoma. The National Capital one. In- the National Capital one in D.C. And then the World Expo. The next one will be outside of Paris in, in Vienna. The last three, well, four have been uh, Stresa, Italy, Montreux, Switzerland, the Chicago show. And before we should, that... We should mention the Long Island show so they don't... The Long Island show, yeah. <laughs> I think the difference between the figures shows in the U.S. and around the world, right, Barry, is they consider this an art show. And it is. I'm eager to hear more of Scott's thoughts on what he saw last weekend. It's an art show. What Shep liked to call it was a juried exhibition. So the idea of awarding as many gold medals for any of these shows as there are gold medal pieces, silver or bronze or certificates of merit, is not everybody gets an award, which those cranky old IPMS guys complain about. (laughs) Everybody comes away with some indication of where their work stands at the level of the hobby at this moment, and in particular, the level of any of these shows. Because, Scott, some of the gold medal pieces you saw in Chicago, they'd be silver at World Expo. You know, it depends on the level of wow. the and it depends on the level of, of the hobby. You know, and, and to me, that's, it, that's more of a celebratory art show than the contest mentality of both AMPS and IPMS. You know, why does any artist succeed at the, you know, at the expense of another? <laughs> you know, we're not out to defeat each other. We're out to show our work. My favorite moments in the hobby have been, we were in Italy, in Stresa, which is just north of, uh, of Milan. And I had set out to do a story in a box. Milan is home of the Last Supper. Infamously, within uh, a year or two of Leonardo da Vinci painting it in the dining hall 
of a monastery. The monks were mad because the, the servers had to go the long way around to bring them dinner and it got cold. So they chopped off Christ's feet, put a door in the, in the Last Supper, and then it just fell into disrepair. And by 1790s, when Napoleon was on campaign in Italy, they were literally stabling the light cavalry's horses in the monastery. And it was Eugene de Beauharnais, Napoleon's nephew, uh, Napoleon's stepson, Josephine's son, who became one of his best cavalry commanders, who came to inspect the horses and the troops and said, hmm, I think that painting might be something. And he brought his stepdad and Napoleon had a copy made that hangs in the Louvre to this day. They kicked the horses out. They cleaned up the shit and the, uh, oh, sorry. The process of centuries-long process of preserving the Last Supper began. All right, so I figured, well, you know, we're by Milan. I used to, I lived in Jersey City across from Manhattan. You know, every year we'd go to see the Statue of Liberty or we'd go to see Museum of Natural History. I figured every school kid in Italy in that part of the world has gone to see the Last Supper, right? So I had this box diorama. And, and, and there were two things that happened in Stressa, which to me sums up the figure hobby. There was a, a troop of Italian Boy Scouts that were marched through, that were ooing and eyeing over that box. And there were uh, three Italian nuns who just, I was watching them from about 20, 30 feet away. I think you were with me, Barry. Mm -hmm. And they were just, they were fascinated, right? And I got a mere bronze for carrying that thing all the way to Italy. I didn't care. I mean, those nuns and those Boy Scouts, those little Italian Boy Scouts, you know, which I, I say as having been a little Italian Boy Scout, but in Jersey City. I mean, that's why you do it. You know, it, it, it was wonderful, wonderful experience. Barry got a gold. This guy who never talks about himself, he said six words so far to you. He's the Grand Wizard Master, Grandmaster at MFCA, the Chicago medalist at Chicago, but self-effacing to a flaw, and he's never going to do another box, he tells me, all the time until he starts one three weeks before the next show. I'll just talk to fill in the, the dead spaces when, when you aren't talking. And correct me when I'm wrong. Well, he keeps yeah. asking me. I, you know, I'm happy not to talk. I have other endeavors to talk about. <laughs> so, Scott? Ask him a question, TJ. Ask, ask the man in you. <laughs> it's funny because I'm just going, uh, I'm just here so I don't get fined. Uh, <laughs> I didn't write the questions. I'll, I'll go ahead. Not that there's anything wrong with these questions. They're great. But a lot of them are directed to you, Jim. Yeah. I think, I think maybe it's because subconsciously Scott knew that Barry probably wouldn't want to answer them as much as you would like to answer them. Well, and he knows I'm, you know, by day I'm a rock critic. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, trying to trying to get Barry to talk about his work is is kind of like uh, you know climbing K two. You know, it's like you, well, this it's, is why I said you, you want to do a podcast, huh? You know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, for those who don't know, uh, for the past thirty years, I've had a radio show called Sound Opinions, and it, the idea was Siskel and Ebert. I worked with Roger Ebert at the Sun Times, and Greg Cott, my co-host, worked with Gene Siskel at the Chicago Tribune. We were both pop music critics for two of the biggest dailies in the country. What we couldn't do in the newspaper or in the books that we've written was say, now listen to this. So we started out on commercial radio in Chicago and then moved to public radio. We're on like 150 stations. We're on in Salt Lake City, for goodness sake. But nobody listens to terrestrial radio anymore. Podcasting is the future. And, and you know, the back podcast has like half a million downloads. 
episodes a month, which we're, we're still doing. So, uh, and we love doing it. And we cover the waterfront, you know, as far as popular music goes from the new Brian Eno album to, uh, you know, Makaya McRaven. Yeah, I know how to do this, right? But I, and I and, and I knew I could do it, and I enjoy. See, Barry and I would talk for two or three hours every Sunday, and I thought, well, if we if you just relax enough to do this, <laughs> what our regular conversations? Uh, and he's got an encyclopedic knowledge of of every modeler and every tool and every kit ever made. It just boggles my mind. You know, I, I can tell you all five guitarists, they were five guitarists in Moby Grape in 1967. But, you know, he can tell you every uh, every uh, Sherman variation in 135, which is like take half an hour, but he can do it. So yeah. um, which one of those would be more entertaining in a party? Uh, neither. I mean, it's both hopelessly, you know, and if, who's we, there? if we yeah. hadn't married the best women in the world, it's like we'd be hopeless and never have a chance at a date. You know that. So anyway, I think Barry's done a great job with the podcast and he does all the work. He does all the editing. I mean, you know, Sound Opinions has two and a half full-time, well, two full-time and one part-time producer. And that's down from during the financial panic of the uh, of the COVID era uh, public radio in Chicago, which used to be our home base, cut its funding. So we're completely uh, independent now. But to be able to pay uh, a staff of two and a half uh, and various uh, web help and, and stuff like that, and then the two co-hosts, I mean, that that's a pretty good trick. I'm proud of that show. I knew I could do this, but Barry has surprised <laughs> me and I'm <laughs> I, I'm very happy. I think what we're doing, his wife said the other day, you know, you're creating a really valuable archive, both about what we talk about, which amazingly people like those shows, and then the people we interview, uh, some of whom have already passed. So it's, it's, uh, these, these artists are important, I think, in this world. It's a great show and it, it, you guys really stand out from the group as far as being yourselves and bringing a different perspective than a lot of, you know, what we're doing and what the other podcasts are doing. And like TJ said, I listen to all of them and, and it's really terrific what you do. So. You. Well, we've also Thanks. sniffed sniffed less plastic cement. You know, <laughs> so, so we may have, <laughs> I don't know if that's helped or hurt. The epoxy putty might actually be worse for us though. So They say that. They say yeah. don't swallow it. And the amount of time we're licking our sculpting tool. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say the way that sculptors and painters are always licking their brushes and sculpting <laughs> tools. I think that's got to be worse. Yeah. Jim Scott tells me that you ran the 2022 show and that Barry was your right hand man. Yep. So how much work and preparation goes into putting in a show like MMSI? Uh, it's a giant pain in the butt. <laughs> From the, you know, I mean, I think every element of it. One thing we're lucky about is the MMSI still has a core group of still not too old to do the labor volunteers, right? I mean, because uh, no part of it is easy. Setting up the hall for the exhibit is difficult and, you know, running around and picking up all the show printing. The judges' room is a different kind of intensity and uh, because it all has to get done fairly quickly. We had 150 exhibitors and many of them had 10 pieces in their exhibits you know, you've got to corral the team of judges and, and get them out there and, and each in their different areas to look at those pieces and then collate the scores and then 
data entry and then and pull it all together between Friday night uh, starting at eight and uh, the award show five thirty on Saturday. So, <laughs> but it, it, you know, I, I think Barry and I, uh, with help from his wife Joan uh, and various other volunteers, we've we've gotten it down. And we had we we were talking before you got here. We made one mistake, and it was the good kind of mistake. We entered a modeler as a bronze, and he'd actually won a silver. And we caught it before he left, and we put the silver medal in his hand. And that that's a that's a good day. It, but it's hard. It's hard to keep so many moving pieces uh, moving and getting them right. Just just to, I wanted to be clear about one thing though. Um, so mm-hmm. the, the the show chairman is is Pat Bass. Yeah, and and, and so we just run the judging. Pat Bass is the show chair. You're right. And he has to deal with the hotel and a lot of the logistics of room nights and all that stuff. We just have to deal with the judging. But nobody ever gets mad at Pat. You know, all these people come to town and they have a really good time. I mean, you know, and they get mad if they, like, get shut out of the room discount block for $15. And then he goes and... Or and if they don't the, refill the coffee machine, coffee pot yeah. in the... Yeah, but us, you know, the guy who thought he deserved a silver or gold and he got a certificate of merit, we're on... MMSI is famous for its hospitality suite with drinks and snacks on Friday night and Saturday night. Barry and I always joke that Saturday night after the awards, it can be the hostility suite because it only takes two or three aggrieved people. And that breaks my heart. Scott was an assistant judge. He saw inside how the sausage is made. You have three people giving up four or five hours of their time on Friday to seriously consider the pieces in the area they're judging, choose the one that will give the modeler the highest score, and then they individually score and don't compare. And all of that, no one doesn't take it seriously. I don't believe anybody at IPMS doesn't take judging seriously. It's just a different mindset. You look at 40 beautiful Shermans, all right, 35 beautiful Shermans and five, you know, beginners, right? And you got to find one, two, and three. What is the difference between Sherman number three and four, five, six? And all of those other Shermans, the other 37, go home with no idea where they fall in, in, in the realm of the hobby. And I just, I hate that, you know. And so I, to me, there's, there's 37 people who should be ticked off after paying $90 at <laughs> IPMS Nationals to have a mere three or four who think I'm a jerk. I can live with that, you know. And also I've got a very thick skin. U2 was the most pompous band in the history of rock and roll. <laughs> I have just offended half of your listenership. Well, to the extent that they listen to music, right? And, you, and trust me, Bono's an ass. Really is a creepy fool. I mean, I've interviewed him. I've met the man. Larry is a nice guy, but he's the drummer. Who cares? <laughs> if you're going to be a critic, if you're going to venture your opinions, there's two two things that I learned from Ebert. Number one, he never wanted to be the final word, right? If he loved Jaws and Gene Siskel hated it, they weren't telling you not to go see it. They were offering you two perspectives on it. What criticism is, is a passionate conversation between people who love the art form. There's no right. There's no wrong. There's no last word. There's just starting the conversation. So people who feel that they were slighted at any exhibition, you know, ought to keep that in mind. If it had been a different team of three judges, they might have scored differently. And in the end, why are you here? You're here to show your work and to see your friends. And it's a weird hobby. I mean, you're there, TJ, in your in your basement workroom, right? Mm-hmm. 
If you didn't have shows and clubs to take part in, no one would ever see what you were doing under those gooseneck lamps, right? And mm-hmm. that's kind of sad. It's isolating. So to, to, to show your work, regardless of, of what you take home, a little spray painted piece of, of plastic, you know, as a metal, you know, or I apparently I won some fancy plexiglass statuette at IPMS National. I was third aircraft dioramas category 712. Okay. It's in Andy Golden's basement and he told me the cat puked on it. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm not even sure I want it. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. I had to leave Omaha early. He carried it home for me, him and Greg Sealar. All right. Well, that's absolutely true. Uh, I believe you. I, I 100. As the owner of cats that puke on everything, I, <laughs> I, I can, I, I can see that in my mind. Yeah. There's probably one in the other room doing it right now on yeah. something I own. You know, Jim, you brought up a really great point. You know, one of the things about open, open systems, not just MMSI, but in general, this idea that uh, when a modeler brings their models or their work to a show, that is the show. If those mm-hmm. modelers don't do that, you don't have right. a show. And right. so I think it really behooves any system, no matter if you do one, two, three, or gold, silver, bronze, give people feedback. Give every modeler that spent all that time on the work and spent all the time and expense to come to Schaumburg, Illinois, and share their piece, at least give them the feedback so that they can take away some value, even Mm -hmm. if they didn't get an award. Yeah, well, and Barry and I did an episode on this early on about feedback. I mean, you have to realize what may be useful to you and what you may disagree with. Not all feedback is constructive or useful uh, or right, but being able to hear other people's opinions of your work uh, is valuable when they take it as seriously as you do. And and I, you know, I, I've yet to meet anybody at any of these shows in any judging capacity who doesn't take what they're doing seriously and isn't generous, you know, incredibly generous with their time. Uh, nobody uh, keeps any secrets. And I think that's the other thing. The podcast world is, uh, you know, nobody's is is proprietary. Everybody is happy to share tips and experiences and grumbles. And uh, uh, I think that it's a great community in that regard. Yeah, we we talk a lot on our podcast as well about, you know, the really great thing about modeling and social media is being able to tap into this collaboration. You know, we can collaborate, Mm -hmm. you know, with friends in other states, you know, TJ's in Virginia, I'm in Utah, or even in other countries and, you know, be able to share our work and ask for input. And and I think it's really... The, the best thing about the community is, is the collaboration element. Oh, it's absolutely true. And well, I'm, I wanna... glad, I'm glad the podcasts all have a very collegial attitude about it too. Cause I think all of them out there are, are approaching their subjects a little differently. And so, you know, if you don't like one, you know, don't listen. It's free. What's your complaint? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. If you like one, great. You know. So I know, I know Barry knows. I talked to him about it, but I attended my first. Uh, I, I've been to two nationals, IPMS. I've been to local shows for IPMS in in the DC area and out west. But I attended my first figure show just a couple weeks ago, really. And I know it's Barry knows the DC I, group. The, the DC, DC group, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, the the one thing, and I knew this going in there, obviously. Um, we've talked about open system judging and, and this, it, it was one of those things where it, on paper, I was 100% for it. And then actually getting to experience it was like, well, yeah, 
duh, obviously I was in favor of this. And now I know now I can actually say I've done it and, and very much enjoy it. The one thing that I, I like about it and someone mentioned this in, in the IPMS Facebook group, they were at MMSI and they saw that everyone, not everyone, but a bunch of people have business cards or a little placard mm-hmm. next to their work. It was like, this is who I am, blah, blah, blah. And the guy's like, is this a, is this a common thing? Of course, all of them, all the IPMS guys are like, oh, you can't do that. It's, you, it's supposed to be secret. Well, it shouldn't be because yeah. when I go to an IPMS show, I want to know who did. If I see something that yeah. I like, I want to know who yeah. did it. And if you kill me, if you want. I pick up the paper and look at every show yeah. I go to. If I yeah. see something I like, I want to know who did it. Of course. And- well, artists have signed their work for time <laughs> immemorial. The freaking caves in, in, in France, where, you know, it's just like they couldn't write yet, so the Cro-Magnons didn't sign it. But shortly thereafter, everybody did, you know. They put, put their handprint on it, though, so. Yeah, yeah. you know, that thug did it or whatever, yeah. <laughs> the way I always look at that. And, and it's like, isn't, isn't that a far side cartoon, Barry? I think yeah. it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, the way I always look at that is if you, if there's a person who you are going to be biased for or against when you're judging, it's likely you know what their work, what work they brought, right? So it, it kind of, it's pointless in my mind in, in almost all cases. You're right. Cause I, like, like this past year at Nats, I judged, well, I judged armor. I judged a ton of categories. I judged my friend's work. I, I, I knew it was theirs. I saw yeah. they were sending, a, we have a group chat. They were sending us pictures before. And to me, it's almost insulting to the membership and to the, mm-hmm. the judges that you're not going to look at your friend's work critically because I do. And my friend, didn't win. And I think he got knocked out because he made a mistake. Sorry. Yeah. Well, well you better believe I went and told him afterwards. You're like, one Dude, judge you on a team, you know. Uh, so if you were giving it a gold and the other two judges are at bronze, you know, right. the head judge would catch that. I mean, there's a million things about it. It's just, it's just very silly. We bring our, our, our work to the local club to show it in progress. Now with social media, the world is the local club, right? You know, and, and what's the point of not knowing the artist's name? When I first read that comment on Facebook, I was thinking they were, they were anti the mercenary aspect. And personally, Barry and I have never done anything like that, you know, but a lot of these people do sell their work. And right. some of the ones who sell, I was shocked when Greg Sealar told us he sold every <laughs> World War II piece he's ever yeah. done. You know, there is no card on Greg C. In fact, try to get Greg Sealard to answer an email and it, it doesn't happen, right? You know, but he has collectors who value his work and it's like, well, okay, you want to sell it? Fine. You don't want to sell it? Fine. If they want to find me, they can come find me or find Barry. The, the name is there. This is my work. Yeah. yeah I, don't, I, I don't understand that at all. The anonymity. It's not even really anonymity. Your freaking name is on the paper. It's a charade. Anyone can pick it up. And on top of that, there's there's checks and balances, right? Mm -hmm. In in IPMS judging, you have a check judge that goes over everything that Mm -hmm. you submit before it gets submitted. At least at nationals, I've never judged on the local level. I've only judged at nationals. So that check judge is going to come over if he's doing his job, which in my experience they always have. They look at what you chose and they make you tell them why you chose it right. and if uh, the good ones will look at other things on the table and say well why not this one and you yeah. have to be prepared to say why and if yeah. you were trying to gain the system and get your buddy a worthless metal you'd right. get found That's out right. unless everyone's in on it which in that case why are we even here 
Well, it's and let's be realistic. I mean, you know, there are if we have eight hundred uh, scabbard subscribers, there are perhaps eight hundred active modelers, probably being generous in the figure world. You know, IPMS will tell you they have four thousand members. How many of those are active? Right. I mean, even if all four thousand are clearly, at least half of them know the other half, <laughs> right? You know, one of the things, and Scott saw it in action. One of the things I was proudest of, uh, I think, it was a couple of things. Our podcast. The Scabbard, uh, we had a publicity chair who did a really good job this year. We were up about 40 or 50 exhibitors over where we'd been even before COVID. You know, we had three young fantasy modelers. There's apparently that those two that we already identified, Barry, are a trio, right? Oh, okay. Um, okay. There were three young fantasy modelers uh, who also entered some historical stuff. They'd never been to our show before, ever. One of them's only been painting two years. They all won gold. Yeah. Right. So this idea of, well, the same people get gold. He's an automatic gold. Nobody knew these people's names. Their work was outstanding. We got them to a show. Now, see, selfishly, I can say, you know, we're going to rope them in. We're going to make them members. They're going to be setting up tables. And then one of them can be head judge and I can have fun. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is how it's supposed to work. That's what Shep did to me and Barry. You know, and we'll, we'll, we'll rope these suckers in. I hope they're not listening to this podcast until after you rope them in. <laughs> uh, well, I already told them that. I, I believe in transparency. You know, I already told yeah. them. I said, we're going to we're going to put you to work. Uh, but that's how it's supposed to work. Outreach and building. And I just love seeing at Nets, at IPMS, all those Gundam people. And they just were not welcomed, I don't think, with certain exceptions uh, at IPMS. Some people are very welcoming. I think John Benetti is doing an incredible job of trying to throw the doors open on this organization so it survives, right? Because these guys are dying off. The old generation is dying off. Do you want this to continue or not? Part of that is welcoming new blood and celebrating. I mean, I like, I love seeing those guys work. It was wonderful. Yeah. yeah you know, recognizing that uh, modelers are coming into the hobby through different avenues than mm -hmm. all of us came in to this hobby. You know, maybe not TJ's a little bit younger and, and I think, you know, the way that he kind of started was probably a little more like younger people. But Jim and Barry, when the three of us were doing this, it was Spitfires and Tiger Tanks and the USS Missouri. And to a lot of that younger age demographic, what they know is, you know, they know Warhammer and, and gaming and they know Gundams and, mm -hmm. you know, they know popular culture and a lot of science fiction. And at the end of the day, it's all the same. You know, we're all, yeah. we're all, we're all painting little pieces of plastic, you know, for the most part. So, mm -hmm. um, being welcoming, like you've said, is so important. Yeah. And if, and if things change, if, if what's popular in 10 years is not what's popular now, I mean, can we really complain about it much? Things are going to change. It's the way it is. I had a question. MMSI, did you have a category for Gundams? No, we've never, uh, you know, I think they would wind up on the fantasy table, but we haven't really had people. There might have been a few over the last couple of years, but we haven't seen a lot of that coming in, have we, Barry? No, not a lot. But, yeah, they definitely would be in the fantasy. Category. So at, at NCMS, NCMSS, the DC Club, they had, I think they had two Gundam categories. Um, I don't, this is the first time I ever went. So I don't know if they did it last year. And last year, I think was, was really small anyways. Of course, the year before that was canceled. Right. So the history of it, I don't know. I probably could go back. I think they have all the awards listed on their website. Uh, so I was just curious because it was, yeah. it wouldn't say it was necessarily well represented, not as much as say uh, you would see it at, at the IPMX show closest to my house, which is in Fairfax. Mm. It's like right outside of DC. 
there's usually a fair number there, but there was enough. Well, no, you know, you know, TJ, uh, one of the other things Shep left us besides this, uh, philosophy about the open system was get rid of all the categories. Yeah. Right. We have it real simple. We have ordinance. And that can be a garbage truck. That can be the USS Missouri. That can be, uh, you know, the endless parade of Shermans. We have fantasy. That can be Gundam. That can be, you know, demons. Uh, that can be Nosferatu. And we have historical, you know, and sometimes there's overlap. Greg Sealar, Andy Golden, you know, both of whom won uh, a bunch of first, second places at IPMS Nationals, uh, have vehicles uh, that are world-class, and they have figures that are world-class, and their dioramas are excellent stories. But basically, you know, let's keep it simple. <laughs> What's not simple is that every modeler is judged, and not every modeler gets an award, but every modeler gets some sense of where they stand in hobby. And then like why slice I mean I category seven twelve aircraft dioramas, but that was thirty fifth or thirty second. Then there was another category for forty eighth and another I, I yeah, I don't know. It made my head hurt, you know, at IBMS. It really did. Seven hundred and twelve categories. What What's what's this problem you have with Shermans? No, I just uh, right. I've never seen more Shermans in my life. I don't think there were as many Shermans, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, in Europe in the forties uh, during the war as there were at, at IPMS. There that, can never be too many Shermans. I'm not, I, I, that shelf right there you know. is is literally all Shermans. That's great. That's great. But all I think Shermans. I think every every Sherman or tour deserves to know where they stand. I agree. One hundred percent. From personal experience, I mean, I'm not an idiot. Obviously, I know I'm pretty good judge of what, where I, where the level of my work is. That being said, having that recognized was awesome. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've won, I've won at, at IPMS shows at nationals. Cool. But taking, like earning the awards that I earned at the DC show was awesome because mm -hmm. uh, Barry knows I'm not, I like painting figures. I would say I'm primarily an armor guy, but I love figures. So I'm working hard to get better at them. Mm -hmm. So having people look at my work that knew what they were looking at really, and then telling me where I am was great yeah. to me. That was invaluable and the medals were sweet. So plus yeah. it was like a win-win. Like I got to see, yeah. I get to be told where I am by people that know what the hell they're looking at. And I got to, because the DC medals that we they give us are, are pretty awesome. They're they're really slick. Now so that's I'm a like, really that's a really good club. And I think the difference uh with, with clubs like ours and the DC club and, and Philadelphia, there's also an appreciation. Now now Scott was there. John Rosengrant just bought from a collector who passed uh Shep's famous Hannah Meg's uh diorama. It was on display. And you're looking at this piece from seventy eight, eighty that was on the cover of military modeling, right? Before that, it was like seventy three or something. It might have even been earlier. The painting we saw many figures painted, World War II figures painted at a much higher standard. We saw the ordinance. Yeah, I mean, Shep was still using the occasional railroad part and little bit of white styrene for super detailing and gizmology, as he called it, right? But there was a magic in that piece in terms of the storytelling and the composition that really makes it immortal. I think there's a more artistic eye when the 40 Shermans are being judged by the team at IPMS. After the two or three that jump out at them, they're just looking for flaws to eliminate the others. Whereas, you know, and, and I think one of the things that gets overlooked is kind of the imagination of pieces. And and I think that that's what I saw when I say I think the figure shows are more of an art show. And there was so much great art in Omaha. I just wish 
people were more open-minded about it. Well, the old school, there is this, I love seeing this. And I think, you know, I miss Shep for many reasons. So do Barry and I both. I mean, we were talking many times. What would Shep have said? What would he, uh, how would he give us crap about this, et cetera? But I think he'd be uh, tickled pink to see this developing serious conversation between the 60% of the plastic modelers who think we need a better system and the 40% who think it has to be done the exact same way it's been done for 50 years. Well, but you know, I want to go back uh, before I kind of talk about my experiences and and how I felt about the show to what you said about Shep's work and what was really awesome about seeing it in person for me is kind of what you highlighted. You know, yeah, some of the some of the airbrush work wasn't maybe up to the standard of what what else was on the tables and and figure painting, but like you said, the composition. There was no fun. Yeah, this <laughs> Yeah, but but I mean the the composition. The diorama is every bit as compelling. And not only that, but you really get a feel seeing it in person. And and it was such a treat of how influential that piece has been on the hobby as a whole. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've seen the elements of that diorama in literally hundreds or thousands of dioramas since then. Um, And that was all thanks to Shep. Yeah, well, and and I think that, that, you know, there's plenty of people who followed him who were every bit as creative. And and that's the thing that Barry and I kind of drive home is the storytelling and the creativity at the end of the day. You know, it may not be a flawlessly executed piece in terms of modeling or sculpting or painting, but wow, you haven't seen it before. And that's the one you go home talking about that sticks with you. Yeah, I mean, for for me, that's what the, you know, seeing your buddies at the show is probably number one. But right there, 1B is being inspired, you know, Mm -hmm. seeing pieces Mm -hmm. that really leave an impression. And, you know, we could we could talk about just that element from this show for hours. But anyway, so this was my first time similar to TJ going to a figure show. And what struck me. You know, I don't want to be too dramatic about it, but when I walked in the room for the first time on Friday, I was there early. The first thing I noticed was about 70%, if I was just putting a rough figure on it, of what was on the table at this show was... IPMS best of show level or above. I was really, I was really stunned. And, and there, there were a couple of different things that, that made me think that way. First of all, the quality, the art, the, the level of craft that went into the pieces, but also what was a little bit different about this show for me versus an IPMS or an amp show is the level of presentation for the pieces. Mm. I mean, I don't want to say every, but nearly every piece I saw was on a beautiful base there's a lot of beautifully stained wood there's a lot of black crushed velvet draperies everything the presentation was given as much love and attention as the pieces themselves I think that leads back to what you said, Jim. It's kind of more of an art exhibition. You know, the pieces are put on the table and displayed maybe in a little bit more of an art gallery than just, a, you know, throw a throw a tank or a plane on the yeah. table. Not that there's anything necessarily wrong with that, but it's just a different different level of, of attention. And then uh, without kind of belaboring it too much, getting to interact with these guys, Andy Golden and John Rosengrant and, you know, Greg Silo, and Steve Husted and and you guys and just on and on and on 
it's amazing the camaraderie. This wasn't a big show in numbers, but it was incredibly collaborative. Yes, the demographics are getting a little bit towards the white haired end <laughs> yeah. end of the scale, but almost everybody knew everybody else, and there was a real esprit de corps. There was a real sense, and that carried over into my experience with judging of the community working to help people. You know, I heard judges expressing sentiments that you don't hear at other other formats like wow this is you know joe x's piece here this is the third or fourth year in a row and i can see he's really growing and this is mm-hmm. really getting getting better and 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 a sense of wanting to encourage that and 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 help with that and i was really really impressed now, um, i i, I know of a, a guy who loves painting and i don't think he's ever scored higher than a bronze and the team you were on Greg DeFranco was particularly struck by what he had done with lighting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Greg, and, and he got a silver, you know, <laughs> and what that meant to him was, was tremendous. But what was more important is Greg went over and talked to him and said, I really like what you tried. And that just, that, that made his weekend, that made his year, you know, and, uh, and yeah, you know, people have that attitude. Uh, you know, it's really satisfying to me and Barry when people want to talk about boxes to us. It's, I know, you know, you can talk to anybody at that show and they're happy to, to sit down and, and tell you how they did something or offer you some advice or offer you a critique. You know, and sometimes people don't want to hear. They want to just say, well, I was doing this in my style. Okay. But if you're open minded and listen to what, you know, Greg DeFranco tells you about highlighting and shading or what we tell you about a, would this work as a box, wouldn't it? What, you know, I mean, John Leland has been a world-class ship modeler for 20, 30 years. There, there's nobody who's working in plastic doesn't have stuff to learn from John, you know, or Steve Hustad, who won, you know. So this is interesting. You know, he was best to show at IPMS Nats, and that piece won best to show at MMSI. So it is not a figure bias either. Everyone who looked at that piece was blown away by it, you know, the triplane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, and rightly so. Yeah. Well, Barry, Barry looks a little too comfortable. I'm going to make him answer a question. So, <laughs> so Barry, is it, is it, is it the people that are involved in MMSI? Is it the, the way that, you know, the judging scheme that, you know, goes back to Shep and the original members of MMSI? What do you think is really driving that spirit of camaraderie and getting people that want to come to this little, you know, with regards to numbers show in Chicago? What, what do you think that is? Well, I think it's the people, but it's also, I think the system and not just necessarily the judging system, but the, the overall attitude of the show that we are coming here to primarily just look at what we've done over the past year. You know, what, what have we produced over the past year and discuss it. And the competitive part being removed probably adds a lot to that. And, and one thing about the, the judging system that I think is, is important more so than any of the, the actual details is, uh, I think the most important part is the idea that we're recognizing that no system is infallible. No system is perfect or can be broken down into rules and, and you get perfect results. We're recognizing this up front that we are dealing with opinions. We're dealing with, with uh, some subjectivity. And so we're going to make it work within as best we can, that being known. Yeah, I would say my, my experience is very consistent with that. You know, there, there wasn't so much a, a focus on 
finding nits to pick and and eliminate things as much as you know we would take a piece or a group of pieces and and the, you know the judging team would would sort of kind of take an initial look and then um, rather than trying to find a seam line or a flaw of some kind you know I heard questions being asked about intent you know like lighting or why was a color used here or what what was the modeler trying to trying to do here and really kind of looking at the overall presentation not just was it a nice model but why was it presented in this way why were the techniques employed that were employed and what was the reason behind it yeah. mm. and another thing that I was really really impressed with you know maybe to kind of build on that and then uh, Jim maybe I'll bounce it back to you is just the the judging when when you're looking to eliminate um, other models and, and again this may seem like I'm bashing but I'm really not trying to bash another system so much as trying to highlight the differences but I think the results tend to be different when it isn't a subtractive kind of a system but rather rather more of a looking looking for the benefit of the doubt and looking to consider the presentation I think that affects the results rather than focusing in on one tiny little area of the of, of the work if that makes sense what do you think Barry um I, I think yeah, absolutely. And I think that it's I, the way I see it is instead of starting with the negative, you're starting with the positive and, and you're not you're, of course, going to notice problems and issues, but you have to weigh them all at the same time. It, it, and I think it I think it um, I think the results are probably I think something that wins a gold at MMSI is probably likely to do well at IPMS. But that only tells part of the story, right? We know what the golds might do. Yeah, you know, we had we had uh, what was the number fifty five gold medals? Some sixty, sixty, Yeah. So let's say a third of those were historical figures. Only three would be honored at IPMS. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. So which three? You know. Uh, that's that's crazy. Uh, and then you just begin looking for flaws to eliminate the other 27. You know, this is not to say the judges aren't critical. I, one of the most famous names in the hobby, I was judging with him once. And, you know, me and the other judge of the three on the team were about to choose this one piece in uh, of five or six figures. And they were all done to the same standard. And the, the, uh, the third judge said, wait a minute, look at that finger. Right? It was a pointing finger, right? And he said, okay, now imagine that figure picking his nose. And all of a sudden, <laughs> we couldn't unsee that the, the, the hand and the finger in particular were three times larger than the scale of the piece. And then he said, look at this piece, you know, and then of the six or seven pieces in this display, there was a quieter piece, a less dramatic pose, a less uh, vibrant colors, and that was by far the best piece. So this is your goal. Now, it may well have been that that modeler was like, I thought there were two other pieces in my display that were better. I put two boxes out in, in the historical open, and uh, both Barry and I were convinced they were going to judge the other one. But the one that we didn't think they were going to judge, they gave a gold. <laughs> <laughs> 
which, which is good information. And it's, it's out, good right? information. I, I was glad that they honored the subtler piece, the one with 13 figures that took me 10 times as long to do. Uh, I don't know. If I'd only put that out, would it have been a silver or was that a gold too? They just like this other, I don't know. I don't know, but I'll take it to MFCA and we'll see what, what they say. It's nice to be surprised. I was testing my own system that I now have to, to, to check. I think that's why you have people like Greg DeFranco who've been, you know, hasn't not won a gold medal for 30, 40 years, why they continue to enter. Because they, even they get something back. But that modeler who's never cracked a silver, who finally got a silver, being able to talk with Greg, I mean, he could have even talked to you. You were on that team, Scott. Being able to talk to the judges and see what he did right that elevated that piece. He's going to go to the next piece he paints at home and start there. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, there, yeah, there's no question. I mean, we were, you know, we were talking about different mediums, you know, acrylics versus oils and, and, you know, highlight you know, techniques and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, I think we were talking before we started the recording and I told you, you know, I've been judging at model contests for probably 30 years and this was without a doubt the most enjoyable experience that I've ever had. I, I certainly learned more than I have in a long time. And again, I'm not downing IPMS shows or anything. Those have enjoyable elements as well, but I really, really had a good time. I learned a lot and, you know, learning this new kind of approach and the value that it brings for modelers and everything was really enlightening. And so there was a lot of value for me in that, certainly. Good. I'll, I'm glad you said something about that, Jim, about which, which one of your pieces that was, that was judged and, and awarded. I've only been the one show, but that I had that exact same experience in, I think, historical painters and fantasy painters. Mm -hmm. I had multiple things and the one that they chose was not the one I would have chosen. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yep. what about this one is the one that you wanted to, I, I don't know. I, I, I probably should have asked. That's what Barry told me. Yeah. Yeah. You should have had that conversation as a, as a long time. My PMS guy, that's uh, that's still new territory for us because. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. That, that happens. I'll not that, speak to the judges. <laughs> yeah, I mean it happens in IPMS shows, but in any show, I've I've never spoken to a judge. Mm. But uh, in in the future, yeah, I, I would like to know what about that piece? Why did it get what it got, and why did you choose that one over the one I thought I personally thought was better? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know one of the shows. I don't think it was MMSI, but uh, they they tried for a, a few shows. Um, this thing where they let you put a sticker on the, the piece that you felt you wanted judge. Do you remember that, Jim? Yeah, that was MFCA. Was that MFCA? And yeah. it, it was, I think it was a, it didn't work out because they started to realize that it was actually useful to, you learn something when they picked the well, one and, you didn't uh, think. A lot of the judges that year, as I recall, were ignoring the dots. They, yes. Because they were getting, the marching orders uh, from Philip Stearns, who ran this magazine campaigns, from Shep, from uh, Dick Hebrids, right, from England. Is that how you say his name? Herdies, I thought. Herdies, I never met him. Was, you know, honor the piece that's going to get the highest award. Honor the best of that. You know, why would you honor the worst? <laughs> you know, just because the artist thinks so? Listen, in 40 years as a music journalist, journalist and critic, artists often don't know what their best moment is. You mm -hmm. know, they really don't. How many times I've heard this was the B-side toss-off, and that's the one that becomes a top 10 single, which is not, you know, the measure of success, how much it sold, but that's the one that everybody remembers. That's the one you have to play at the show. That's the one uh, that influenced legions of other bands. You know, we don't know crap about it. 
That's why yeah. we show it. That's one reason we show it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would, I would agree with that. And, and also I think it shows that no matter what system, one, two, three, gold, silver, bronze, open, whatever, that there's always sub- subjectivity. You know, yeah. somebody's, somebody's work is going to appeal to Barry or, or look to Barry differently than it looks to me or TJ or, or you, you know, yeah. uh, Jim. So, well, I think, you, know, when, you know, when I teach reviewing the arts, Scott, to, uh, uh, my college students, look, you know, what I got from Ebert, what I got from the great critic Lester Banks was uh, it's 100% subjective. There's no such thing as objective criticism. We want your opinion. We want your honest opinion and in two ways, your emotional reaction, how did this make you feel, and your intellectual analysis. What did this mean to you, right? You know, for us, substitute intellectual analysis, technique, right? It's what was the emotional impact for me and and judging the technique how, how did they pull it off right you know that's what what you're looking for but all art is is subjective a hundred percent inherently and that's why even if we had three teams with three great judges all look at a collection of great pieces they may choose different pieces they may give different awards you know and, and it's not it's not that it's uh uh, uh arbitrary uh or or just uh that that, that it's screwed up in any way it's like every human being's going to look at this painting differently. You know, if we had all had time, Scott, we could have traipsed down to the Art Institute and we could have stood in front of Edward Hopper's Nighthawks. All right. And the uh, uh, very color oriented person's going to say, you know, this is a palette of like four colors. Right. And the architecturally minded person is going to say, you know, what a weird shape in that famous diner. Right. Uh, you know, and there's no door. You know, Hopper had a joke. You mean I forgot the door again, right? <laughs> the historian is going to say, look at the only thing that's lit up is the inside of that diner. And then you realize you painted it in 41. The coasts of America's cities were blacked out at night because it wasn't clear whether the Japanese or the Germans could bomb the coasts of America, right? The feminist is going to say, there's only one woman and she's dressed in red. And in one way or another, the four men in that diner all have their gaze fixed on her, right? The good old-fashioned Marxist is going to say, these people are in a diner, but they only have cups of coffee. They can't even afford a freaking cheeseburger, right? My point is, if there's 10 of us in front of Nighthawks, we are going to see 10 different paintings, right? Because we are 10 different people. And the joy of this business of judging or criticism is the conversation we can have that I'll hear about the painting Barry saw and I'll hear about the painting TJ saw and you saw. And it's going to be different. And I learned more about the painting. I may think one or two of those theories is nuts, right? I may throw it out the window. But I'm going to learn more about the painting and I'm going to learn more about you, what you saw and what you valued. I think that's why if there's a problem in this world today, you know, it is not that there is too much passionate, in-depth conversation about art. So, you know, let's talk about Husted's freaking triplane for three hours. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And and honestly, as much as doing those purple lines. Well, and as much as I enjoyed all the different aspects we've talked about, you know, standing there talking with Andy Golden about his his Mm. diorama with the 116th scale Stug and hearing how he he decided on the composition Mm -hmm. and the placement of the figures and which figures he sculpted and which figures he modified, you know, that that for me is is always any model show, you know, the real treat, you know, walking around the contest room and showing somebody bare. Box and you know, kind of explaining what that 
that piece does the feelings that it makes you have, you know, and then hearing what inspires them, you know, having somebody, mm-hmm. having somebody see something, you know, um, Gary Baker, you know, he, he, uh, from California, it's his first MMSI show and we were talking and he was really blown away by your Lancaster box. And, mm. you know, just those kind of conversations, that's a real treat. And that's what makes the travel and the time and everything worth it is that inspiration. And, and, and again, that, that collaboration, that C word. Yeah. That no, I, I, I would, I would hope so. I hope, uh, you know, I, I would hope everybody comes away from that show or the DC show TJ attended at, eager to hit the bench again and not if they fell short of the medal or the, the prize they were hoping to get that I'm just going to give this up. I don't know why I even try. I, I that just breaks my heart, you know, yeah. and, and we didn't have much of that this year, which is good. You know, we talk about the awards and the judging a lot and, and actually truthfully, that's not the most important part of the show. It, it's, part of it. Um, and obviously for, for Jim, especially, and then me as well, it's, it's a big part of the MMSI show for us, but it, it really is only a part of the show of any of the shows. And, and I think we need to keep that in perspective. And the highlights for me at any show haven't been medals I've won. It's, it's yeah. much more subtle things and conversations with friends and meeting new people and, and talking about the work, like you said. And nuns yeah. and little Italian Boy Scouts. That, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, I had a, an interaction on Facebook a couple of days ago and somebody said, yeah, I took this plane to a show and I got second in a, in a category of two, two models, you know, but I got a couple of compliments. So I guess that was okay. And I responded to him and I said, look, five years from now, you're not going to remember what award you won, but you're going to remember that conversation that you had, those compliments that you received. You'll fondly remember that. For the rest of your of your time as a model, that's right. And pieces of advice, invaluable. Don't make the finger too big to stick in the figure's nose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I I haven't done a figure since where I haven't been checking. <laughs> <laughs> You guys, this has been a lot of fun as we start to wrap up here. Let's, uh, let's start with some social media links. So, uh, Barry, uh, for both MMSI as well as, uh, small subjects, uh, if somebody wants more information on either of those, uh, where, where can they find it? Uh, so we have, uh, pages on, a page on Facebook for each of those, uh, small subjects, of course. And then, uh, the MMSI Facebook page, Jim, you'll have to remind me. I think it's called MMSI. Uh, yeah, I think you just have to search MMSI and it pops M- up as a Facebook if, group. If you search MMSI Chicago, I, that's what I always do. And then yeah, it'll, it'll always show up. come up. Yeah. And then, you know, we have, we have, uh, boxdioramas.com where we host the blog for the podcast and, uh, links to the podcast. And, uh, the MMSI has a website if you search MMSI Chicago and there you can find my email and you can get the electronic scabbard quarterly 36 pages as a download, uh, which is a really good way. You know, I mean, the, the DC club has a nice newsletter. I know TJ mm-hmm. having gone to the show, you're get it. You'll get it all the time. Oh, I was, so I was already a member before there the you show. Go. I just had never been to the show, yeah. but the membership is free. Uh, we figure, you know, if this thing, uh, we want to cast the net as wide as possible. If you come to the show, you know, we'll get your money then. And I will add, it's twenty five dollars to enter as opposed to ninety freaking dollars at <laughs> Omaha, and I don't even have my plexiglass statue to prove it. It's Andy can't Golden be, Cat. Be, no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man, I would forty Shermans, right? And th- one, two, three, 
And then the other guys go home with butkus. Nothing. They got nothing. Yeah, but I was I was one of those guys, so I'm not going to complain. <laughs> I know, but I I feel for the other the other. You know, it's like why don't you it's, make it's not right. more cheaper, smaller yeah. somethings. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it costs like eight dollars a medal, you know, for the MMSI. That's with a box, you know. Like, I yeah, that's know. I, I saw the picture though. That's really slick. That's pretty cool with the little. Yeah, but, but it's cheap as hell, gel. really. Yeah, you know? but it's, still, it's neat though. I really thought those those mystery award guys. What were they called, Barry? At IPS. Yeah. yeah, I thought they did a better job. <laughs> I really did. Yeah, the, mis- the mystery modelers syndicate. Yeah, they didn't yeah. honor me, but I don't care. The pieces I went around that I saw that they were honoring were, yeah, all right. And they're and they're highly appreciated too. I I, I love to see the reaction of the people when they get those. Yeah, um, I've yeah. seen I've seen it. I was I was standing. Crap! It was in the smaller smaller of the vendor rooms. The guy that sells all the tools. I can't remember what company that is. I was buying subscribers. Oh, M and M. Yeah. Yes, and uh, I was standing there. I was next M&M. to him. UMM. UMM. Johnny Check, we call him. He's yep. from Czechoslovakia, yeah. Um, I was standing in line. I was holding my scribers in my hand. There's a guy in front of me, and his buddy walks up to him and goes, hey, check this out. L- look what I just got. I'm like, what is he, what is he like? What does he have? And he's like, man, someone just put this next to my model. And the other guy's, then the, the UMM guy's like, what is that? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> and the, the, all, now all three of them are looking at it and they're like the one guy's like i think that whoever put this on there really liked my model it's like man this is really cool i don't even care about it he and hand to god said i don't even care if i get an award this is the best this is better than any award i would have got there yeah, you go that, that is pretty cool I'm like yeah, that, yeah that dude had his whole weekend made that to me is much more in the spirit of how things should be. But what do I know? I've just declared, you know, it really is hearing Shep. I mean, to think that he fought this fight in the eighties and they were ignoring Shep Payne, you know, and here it is. We're still talking about it in 2022. It's just ridiculous, you know, and we're just, we're just sniffing glue and building plastic or sculpting and, and, uh, you know, it's like, Licking yeah. sculpting tools, yeah. Licking sculpting <laughs> tools and dropping the exacto in my damn foot. <laughs> we'll have to send you a tank craft knife topper for your. I got answer. one. I got one now. <laughs> and Barry turned me on to the exacto that tightens from the top, and those are sort of uh, those don't roll off the table as easy. Yeah. Well. Uh, to wrap up, I'd like to thank both of you for coming on the podcast and talking with us about small subjects and MMSI. In that vein, uh, I would imagine 2023 MMSI is already scheduled. We already yeah. talked about where we can, you, where listeners can find the show on, on the internet. Do you happen to know? I'm sure you do. What the do. are for next year? We made up save the date cards, October 20th and 21st, uh, in Schomburg again. Awesome. Well, again, thank you for joining us and I uh, hope to speak to both of you guys in the near future. Yeah, well, we're happy to. I'm, I'm glad that these moats are being crossed finally between plastic and figure and, and all this stuff. I mean, it was a dream Shep always had, yeah. you know. Uh, I think in all seriousness, Barry and I often say, you know, I think Shep would be proud of this. I think he'd be proud of the world of podcasting. 
appreciate uh, you guys uh, kind of hooking me up with this. I had an absolute blast. I'm planning on going back uh, next year. And uh, maybe yeah, yeah, well, we owe you a lunch, <laughs> so <laughs> you gotta come back so you yeah. can collect, Scott. No, I only I only threw you out of the judges room once. I remember grumbling. That's true. At you. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's that. true. And, oh, and I do need I do need to state for the record the hospitality suite at least on Friday night. Fantastic. Yeah. Wild and crazy, fantastic. Had a blast. Yeah. So. Yes, good times. Free booze. Yeah. yeah. All, All right. right. Thank you for having us, guys. Yeah. yeah thanks for having us on. Success. Thanks, you guys. You bet. That was a lot of fun. MMSI was a fantastic event. I really had an amazing time. Uh, hopefully, maybe next year we can get some of you guys out to MMSI. TJ, I know you've been to a figure show out in D.C. recently. But anyway, I really appreciate Jim and Barry taking the time to set that up for me and also taking the time to speak with TJ and I. We had a lot of fun discussing their podcast, their website, and of course, the MMSI show. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that discussion. All right, it's time to send a shout out to the Posse Outriders, listeners who support the Posse by becoming Patreon contributors. If you would like to support the Triple B and become a Plastic Posse Outrider, go to our Patreon page, www.patreon.com backslash Plastic Posse Podcast, and set up a recurring donation there that helps us out to offset these costs to bring you the Triple P. There are three different types of tiers of support starting at just a buck a month. Before we pay tribute to all of our fantastic Posse supporters, I wanted to single out a particular group of our deputy marshals. These are patrons that have been Posse supporters for a long time, and we really appreciate your stalwart support. So special Posse thanks goes out to Rick Cooper, Ethan Idenmill, Bruce the Model Noob, Steve Baker, and Eric DeGleish. Moving on to the rest of our amazing deputy marshals, we have Joe Porche, Bryce LeCare, Graham Pearson, Patrick Brown, Steve Schaefer, Jay Kidd, Paul Burdett, Brandon Gentry, Robert Klein, Mark Ewing, Ted Kawahara, Josh Orr, John Bryan, Scale Model Hanger, Toad Man, Model Doc, Doug Reed, Greg James, Les Workala, B. Colt 1911, John Everett, Josh Buck, Black Rifle Model Works, Thomas Bannock, Mark Bradley, Zach Pease, Joel Munson, Eric Brubaker, Jeremy Moore, DB Scale Model Studio, Matt Johnston, Jared Cowell, Jeremy Elliott, Mike Talley, Previous Seat, Mediocre Middle-Aged Modeler, Dan Nofel, and J.C. Osborne. Man, guys, that list is uh, getting getting long there. I'm going to hand this over to Ivan. We also have some posse foremen who have gone above and beyond by being longtime supporters. Would Rick Lewis, Eric Semmelmeyer, Mike Bird, Craig Jarbo, and Papa Steve Monsell all stand up for recognition. Well done, and thank you, gentlemen. Next, we have our other excellent posse foreman. Ben, Alex, Logan, Red Beach One, MD Models, The Voice of Bob, JV, Victor, Pete, Toby, Matthew, Matters of Scale, Damien, Kieran, Cody, Libby, Papa Mike Charlie, Tim, Forest Ghost 73, Nukeman Mike, Greg, J.A.K., Jack, A.K. Armour, Ash, Irish Pat, Paul, iBones Models, Mr. Grizz, Jackson, Chris, Lee, Jamie, and Steve. Last, we have our posse outriders, including Matthew, David, and 11 others. 
During the month of November, we'll be sending out Posse swag packs as a small token of our thanks to our deputy marshals and Posse foremen, who have been patrons for the longest time. Scott will be reaching out to confirm the addresses. Also, we'll officially release our new Posse merch on Black Friday. Stay tuned. We look forward to that very, very soon. A sincere yeehaw to all of our Posse supporters. You help make this and everything we do a reality. We are truly grateful. Also, if you as a listener could do the Posse a favor, please consider posting a review of the Triple P on the podcast platform you use to listen to us and or even on Facebook. Each five-star review will help other modelers find the Plastic Posse. But now it's time for our second roundtable discussion of the show. This one is about the upcoming Telford Scale Model World show. And that featured myself, JB, Graham Pearson, Luke Carswell, Jackson Stanton, and me again. Enjoy. All right, we are live. This is John from the Triple P calling in. We have four esteemed esteemed guest hosts as well today from the Black Rifle Model Works community and some Triple P hosts as well. So today I have with me Sir Ivan Jensen-Taylor. Hello. Jackson from the U.S. Hey, how's it going, guys? And Luke from Black, Black Rifle Model Works, pardon me. And then Here. Graham as well. How are you all doing today? Hello. Doing really good. Good, good, good. Well, we are certainly excited to have you. This is certainly going to be a great conversation around scale model world, everything Telford. I've never been. Jackson's never been. The hype is real. We're super excited to meet not only you, but the other folks going to the show. Cannot wait to get into it. Ivan has told us a lot about it. We hope he doesn't disappoint us. He never does. (laughs) (laughs) But before we really jump into it, I think it'd be important to kind of get to know, um, you know, Jackson, Luke, and Graham. They've been on the pod before at one time or another, or they've been mentioned, but I'd love to, you know, have them introduce themselves, give a little background of, you know, their modeling interests, why they're going to Telford, and then we'll jump really right into the discussion around the show itself. What can we expect? What we're looking forward to? And with that, I'll kick it over to Jackson. Hey, how's it going? So I'm a 22-year-old armor modeler. That's my main thing. Um, I do a lot of 3D work, uh, CAD, 3D printing, and whatnot. I love my Shermans. That's kind of what I'm known for in our little friend group. Uh, And then outside of modeling, I volunteer at a local tank museum as well as a mechanic. So I get to do some hands-on with some of the vehicles and whatnot as well. Super cool. That is awesome. Super jelly. Luke, I'll kick it over to you. You know, I think you're the founder of Black Rifle uh, Model Works. Maybe talk a little bit of that as well. Well, thank you. That's a a very grand title. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so I'm a little different, I guess, to a lot of people in the hobby. I didn't do it in my younger years um, at all. so I've been modeling now for probably about seven years, bordering on eight years, uh, predominantly armor, um, although I will build pretty much everything. Uh, you can see behind me there, there's a, a full-size gaming table. Last sort of two years, probably, uh, got into 40K um, and fell down that rabbit hole. The Black Rifle Model X thing, um, <clears throat> it started as a YouTube channel, essentially, um, badly. Um, and it was just a way of me kind of documenting my modeling journey that that's kind of how that came about um and it's grown legs so now fairly recently in the last three months we have a facebook group 
Um, so the channel's still there. And yeah, it is going from strength to strength. I'm also an ambassador for Models for Heroes here in the UK. Um, so without going into massive detail, the reason I started modeling is because I left the military after a long time um, and just struggled with being a civilian and, and found modeling before I knew about Models for Heroes. Um, and obviously that's grown um, and now an ambassador for them and the benefits of the hobby to veterans, first responders, that sort of stuff. Um, and I am a first responder here in the UK. I'm a paramedic. That's me in a nutshell. That's a fantastic story. And I'd love to, you know, pull on the models for heroes more as we talk about Telford and maybe what efforts at the show are done through that charity. And then how our listeners can support not only at the event, but then additionally outside of the event, what, you know, where, what's that avenue? How can we support in any way, shape or form, whether it's monetary donations or even donations of kits themselves? Yeah. Um, That would be fantastic. And the last. And then the last person I'd love to introduce is Graham, uh, you know, a constant fixture that I've admired for a long time. Your work is fantastic, certainly inspirational, and then a key component of the Black Rifle Model Works community as well. So, Graham, tell us a little bit about yourself. Wow. <laughs> Every time anybody says that, I'm like, I just, I just chuck, chuck paint on bits of plastic. Um, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm a, I build mainly aircraft and armor i've dabbled in cars a little bit but um predominantly aircraft and armor now and i'll flip between the two um depending on what takes me fancy i'm not really have any preference um and i've been modeling for about the same as luke about six or seven years now i think something like that um met ivan pretty much just after i got into the hobby um through facebook and um and we've been friends ever since and it's lovely um (laughs) So I've I've obviously been around people who've been able to, you know, give me good guidance and instruction, really, and which has definitely helped me uh, a hell of a lot um, over the years. Um, I have a, a big shed in my garden where I, I hide away from the family and stuff. And this is all this was this happened within six months of me starting the hobby. I um, was on a little table in the guest room, and within six months, I had a twelve foot by ten foot shed in my garden, fully kitted out with everything in. I, I kind of fell down a bit of a rabbit hole. Um, I work, I volunteer for Models for Heroes as well as as, as, as um, Luke's the an ambassador. I, I'm one of the volunteers. I've run two groups now. I'm not currently running one, but um, it's a very rewarding thing to do. Um, just helping people who. I saw it for myself. I had anxiety. I still have anxiety and depression myself. And I found one of the reasons I got so heavily into modeling is because it was helping me. So as soon as I became aware of Models for Heroes, I'm a, well, technically I'm a veteran. I never saw theatre, so I don't consider myself as a veteran, but I'm ex-military. Um, you are a veteran. So I um, I couldn't wait to help out. And yeah, it's, it's a very rewarding thing to do. It's something I love to, I love to fly the flag for. It's great. That's awesome. Again, a wonderful story. And I want to highlight to our listeners before we really jump into the show, again, mentioning the Black Rifle Model Works community. I look at it very similar to the Triple P. You have an ethos around, you know, the group, what you look to promote, you know, happiness, you know, building for yourself, you know, sharing community, social, all those things are really key tenants of the group that I see a lot of similarities with the Plastic Posse and its extension into the UK. So, it's it's a really cool group. I would encourage all of our listeners, not only live today, but if you're listening on the pod when this drops, please check out their Facebook group, their YouTube channel, you know, submit a subscribe button, click that like, and also request to join. I think you'll find a lot of people very similar to the Plastic Posse, their approach yeah. to the hobby, 
you know, their approach to life. And, and everybody, you know, it goes back to what you, you both said around the community supporting each other and, you know, acknowledging that sometimes life gets tough and it's good to have people, you know, that have went through it and are experiencing it to, to share those moments and, and come out, you know, ahead. And, and I think that's what your community certainly does. So it's, it's Absolutely. awesome to finally get us together. Mm. Yeah. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. It was a, a great correlation. I know when I um, when I did the interview for for the Triple P with Ivan and Scott, it was one of the things that we did talk about was the the encouragement of other people into the hobby and helping them to develop without putting them down or criticizing unnecessarily and that kind of thing. And it's it, it's a good place to be if you're in that that sort of environment and everybody's on the same page, just like exactly like you guys are doing on the Triple P as well. And it's something that. Um, yeah, when Luke asked me to get involved, I couldn't. I couldn't say no. Really, it's right up my alley. That's awesome. Yeah, and I, I think I think we. So, I fell down the Warhammer hole a couple of years ago, um, and then at the start of this year, I was massively losing my mojo for for scale modeling um, because forty k. If you're playing it as well, it does sort of take over your life to a point. Um, and I got involved in the forty hour group build. Um, that you guys got involved in in the US from the Triple P. And the way the Triple P portray the hobby and the positivity around the hobby is what drew me back in to, to the scale modeling and, you know, rejuvenated the mojo for it, really. So when we started the Black Rifle Model Works group, we very much wanted to go down that line of positivity, encouragement. Every genre is welcome. And it was not copying, but mirroring the ethos of the Triple P in being such a positive community. And it's working, you know. So, mm. yeah, thanks to you guys for that. Because without that, I probably wouldn't be sat here anymore. So. Well, yeah, we're, we're, we're happy to have you. And, you know, along with that community and, and happiness, we're going to bring along the hype. And the hype about this live session is all about Scale Model World. I've never been. Jackson's never been. So, Ivan, maybe to kick us off, just give a basic description of the dates and then some of the high-level details. And I'd encourage Luke and Graham to chime in. And I know myself and Jackson will chime in with questions as well as we go through this uh, overview. I'm, I'm really worried now that I've massively oversold <laughs> um, how good this show is. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, like, it can't be oversold. Um I was worried the first time I went that it's like, eh, it's, it's, I'm getting told it's this and that, but at the end of the day, it's just a model show. The second you walk in, it's like, whoa, <laughs> this is big. This is like, it's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's the UK's biggest model show, arguably the biggest model show in the world. Um, it's at the Telford International Center on the 12th and 13th of November. Um, you've got Saturday, Sunday, uh, set up on Friday. Uh, they like to get that the day early so that it can be full steam ahead Saturday. Nothing needs setting up. You go in, you have fun. IPMS members get in for free. Um, in, if you're not an IPMS member, you have to pre-register, buy a ticket for the days you want to attend. This is new, uh, that they're not doing any on-the-door purchasing. Um, you can't just turn up on the day and be like, hi, can I come in? Um, but yeah, that that's what it is. It's just everything that is modeling is at that show. That bit, I, I don't think I can undersell. 
everything is there. And it's, uh, I said this on the live stream we did on Friday. When you compare it to the US show, you've got vendors, you've got a massive competition hall, really cool. But this show has everything, clubs, displays, competition, demonstrations, traders, as well as companies going there just to show new products without actually selling anything. Everything is there. And I can't get that across enough. You'll be, the first time you go, John, Jack, you are going to be so <laughs> blown away. You're going to be like, whoa, it's, it's, it's going to take you a bit to chill um, and get it into your system. There's a, there's borderline too much to do for the two days. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've heard this a few times. Nats could be one day shorter. Telford should be one day longer. Um, there's mm-hmm. so much at Telford. Um, Luke Graham, you've been you've been quite a few times now. Mm-hmm. Like, what was it like the first time you went? The first time I went to Telford, I went by myself because I, I was new in the hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you join the Facebook groups and all that stuff, and watch from YouTube, and everyone was talking about scale model world in Telford. Well, I only live less than an hour from Telford itself, so I was like, I'll, I'll go on the Saturday and see what it's all about uh, and you're absolutely right you walk in there <laughs> bearing in mind i was new in the hobby so my my experience of model shows was virtually zero and i walked in there and it's just huge and there's yeah it just blew it blew my mind um and i was only supposed to be there on the saturday um but you're absolutely right there's so much to see so much going on i went back on the sunday and i've been Barring obviously the last couple of years because no one's been able to go anywhere. But other than that, I've been every single year. But I definitely think this year will be the best year yet because now it's more of a social thing as well. And that's key to me and the hobby. But yeah, it's, it's mind blowing. It is mind blowing. There's so much there. So much there. Yeah. I think I went in if the first year I went was I wasn't actually working with anybody but i managed to acquire a um trader's wristband so i walked in it well well before anybody else was in there 8 a.m something like that so it's still quite empty and i think when there's no bodies in that hall and it's just all the tables laid out ready for it all to start you really do get a, a appreciation of the vastness of the place it's massive and I can remember just walking in. I was next to Ivan, and he—I ju- could tell what he was doing. He just walked beside <laughs> me, he was just watching me, expression on my face. And my jaw just dropped, and he went, "It's impressive, isn't it?" <laughs> yeah. Um, and then it was just two days of just non-stop. It's just—it's so busy. There's so much going on. Um, and what I like certainly as I've got as I've gone in in more recent years, or as I was further into the hobby, especially with doing stuff on YouTube and that, you find yourself walking around and sort of every ten minutes somebody's tapping you on the shoulder, hey, mate, I haven't seen you for, and literally bumping into people who haven't seen for a year, and that's the only time you'll ever get to see them face to face, but you know them through Facebook or whatever, and um, it 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 does become a, a sort of a, a meet and greet social sort of thing, and then if you can go with a group of friends as well, it's just even better because. Yeah, not only are you taking in all the modelling goodness, but you're having a bit of a bit of a giraffe as you're going around as well. <laughs> I mean, John and Jackson, this one's for you. Of all the the pictures or footage or YouTube videos that I've sent you of me going to Hogwarts, you've seen what impression have you got of the show? Because whatever that is, 
it still can't prepare you for the, the scale of it. I'm going to be honest. I don't remember anything from that video you sent me. <laughs> I'm going in completely <laughs> blind and I'm excited. So I don't have any expectations other than I know that like, since I started modeling, it's always kind of been in my head as like this mecca of modeling shows. Um, you know, I, I was blown away by Nats. That was my first time going to IPMS Nationals. And I'm even ex more excited to see something even bigger because from what I understand it is. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So no expectations, but I know I'll be blown away. It's a good way of doing it. Absolutely. Yeah, for me, I, I don't think I have any expectations either, but I've certainly, you know, dare I say, done the research. A lot of friends have gone there. Uh, my club back in Pittsburgh, before I moved, they would go every other year. And hearing the stories, seeing the videos, I think one of the things that stands out most to me is that catwalk area above mm -hmm. the hall. And I just, I remember seeing your video and then there was another YouTuber that did, you know, an overview from up there. And it just sets the scene at the scale of the event. And I remember I'm like, one day I'm going to stand up there and I'm going to take a video and mm -hmm. I'm going to take a picture and, you know, be a part of that experience where I look around and maybe one thing that I think, obviously I'll compare it to the IPMS nationals because that's the only thing I know. But one of the things I think that stood out to me as opposed to the IPMS, it almost looks, it looks jam packed. It looks more mm -hmm. congested. It looks like there's more people there's more types of things. So at the IPMS Nationals, I think of two major things, contest room, vendor hall. But at Telford, it's much more than that, I mm. think, um, at least from the outside looking in. You have your SIGs, you have the the trader hall, you have the, the small contest room. But it looks like within like the SIGs and other areas, there's almost pockets of different communities. I've heard stories of yeah. stopping by the check table and getting a drink or hanging out with them. And, you know, all those little micro kind of conversations I don't necessarily know that they're present at the IPMS Nationals because the vibe is different. It's almost mm -hmm. transactional in the vendor hall where I see that type of, you know, social engagement area enabled by the SIGs as something that's completely different. And I'm looking forward to, I, I just want to walk around, see the work on the table, <clears throat> talk to everybody. Like you said, every, I, I want to meet literally everyone. I want to understand, you know, what, uh, everything about the show and, I I have um I have plenty of money to take so I'm I'm fully expecting that I'll spend that as well but I won't pull an Ivan I'm going to stick to <laughs> smaller <laughs> items that can fit in a luggage bag that I can get through the airport um but you know long answer short my expectations I I don't know if you can I know it's going to be a great time bottom line you know I, I I'm not going to be disappointed one of the good things is the way it's laid out as well the traders aren't separate from the clubs and SIGs. So the so the trading stands will be on one side and, and then on the other. To get between them, you're walking down aisles with clubs and SIGs on both sides yeah. of you. So you can walk down to one trader, have a look, and then walk back and come up the other way because you tend to flow around. So you can't you can't help but go and look at the models that are on display because you, you're walking past them. And a lot of the time, because it is busy, you can't walk quickly because you're in a queue anyway. So you sort of you just almost forced, if you like, to look at it and to pay attention and stopping and taking time to appreciate what people have done is not a chore. It's kind of it just happens with the flow. It works yeah. really, really well. It's such such a good do. That catwalk you mentioned, incidentally, the when that comes into its prime for me is at um, eleven o'clock on Sunday morning when they play the last post for Remembrance Day, and that's 
Yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's a special moment. Uh, and I've said this to to both uh, John and Jackson. I can't wait for them to experience that and be there in person mm. because I'll admit it, and I think most people admit it, you think it won't get you, mm. but when you're there, it's hustle and bustle, conversation everywhere, and then bang, silence. It's it's a special moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. This, I'll admit it. There'll be a tear coming from my eye. I know yeah. there will. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'd blub every year. I won't worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> every year. But yeah, he, he, there's thousands of people and they just stop. So they'll be in the middle of a vendor stand or wherever they are within those halls and everyone just stops for two mm-hmm. minutes. It, it's just, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, that, you know, experiences like that and having them, you know, really impactful. It's just something you, you can't find anywhere else. It's, it's something that is, you know, truly unbelievable. And, you know, I just saw in the chat, uh, John Tapsell posted like 10,000 attendees over yeah. the two days. That's yeah. astounding. To, for reference, the IPMS Nationals, it probably draws anywhere between two and 3,000. Um, and 3,000 is a big number. And 2,000 includes not only the registrants, but general admission. When I see numbers of 10,000, that's astonishing to me. And to see that that type of health in the hobby... And then also you think about that many people, but then um, somber moments like that where everybody, you know, locks in and, and shows a sign of respect is is really exemplifies the community, I think, itself as well. And I, I just can't wait for every every second of it. And even on Friday, I think maybe we're going to get exposed Friday, Ivan, if 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 tell if uh, Cosford doesn't work out. But I, I'm ready, man. Every yep. every piece of it. Yeah, um, I think those guys when I think. Uh, I know I went with Graham Luke. You went 2019 as well. That it, we were borderline saying it was too busy, which is a good thing. It but it was, was packed, extraordinarily busy. Like you yeah. couldn't. There was a many aisles you couldn't get down. Yeah, just yeah too many people. Yeah. It was heaving. But that, like, that's a good thing. It shows mm. that <laughs> this hobby ain't dying. Um, <laughs> So with, you know, question from my perspective, Ivan, we talk about, you know, Graham had mentioned the Traders Hall, the SIGs, you know, there's also the competition aspect and that's smaller. Can you, can you maybe talk a little bit about where that is, the size, and then I'd love to know what, you know, Luke and Graham and Jackson are going to bring to the show. Yeah. Um, so the competition last year with one of the holes, holes closed off, it was, it was in the hall with Traders and SIGs. Usually it's upstairs in the mezzanine level uh very private um it's it's quite a quite a nice place to have it because it's it's out the way um but i'm not gonna lie last year when it was downstairs in the halls where everyone was i actually preferred it there was really good lighting it was an open space it worked really well um but i think this year again it's back upstairs in the mezzanine i find i find upstairs it's a little bit cramped um but it's a, a it's competition. It's it's not going to be too busy. There's, they close it off for judging. They close it off for media. They make sure you don't take any rucksacks or bags in there because there have been incidents before with people being like, oh, sorry. And then you've just destroyed someone's work they've been working on for five years. Um, yeah, competition. It's a it's a cool thing. I like it. Some people don't. Um, I know we discussed this the other day. It's, <laughs> oh, it's a one, two, three system. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's good. If you like competitions, it's a good competition to be in because it's such a diverse competition. There are a billion different categories and everything that's in that competition deserves to be there. Um, the, the standard of work is absolutely incredible. Uh, I know, Graham, competitions aren't your thing. Yeah. Uh, no intention. Luke, I know you're entering this year, mm-hmm. um, as am I. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think we're in the same category. Really. Yeah, we're, we're going to be. It's, it's, it's me versus you. Um, <laughs> Pretty much. Because, yeah, that's what you get with it. One, two, three. Um, so yeah, um, I know JB Jackson. Are you going to enter? Because you got till the eighth of November to enter. Yeah, so I'm entering a few things. I must oh. admit, I'm very nervous about flying with models because I've never done that before. Um, but. Depending on how much I can fit in, I know I'm definitely going to be bringing my tadpole, my tiger that I did pretty recently. So I'll have both of those. And uh, I'm currently working on finishing up my Samwa for the the buddy build JB and I and a few other friends have been doing. So assuming I can finish that in the next two weeks, that'll be there too. And then whatever else I have room for. Awesome. Nice. 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 Yeah, I plan on bringing, plan on bringing a few things for the comp. I'm not sure what yet. I have, you know... I have traveled with with models on an airplane before, so it's pretty simple when you have armor. But I'll be bringing a few models to support the SIG. So, 109 in Spanish Civil War. So I have a Brita and a Mini 109 to bring over to support that. But also for the comp, definitely going to bring the uh, Panzer Gray hashtag Blue um, <laughs> Samoa. So uh, be sure awesome to look. <laughs> you want it? You can take it home with you. It's beautiful, uh, honestly. <laughs> you can yeah. take it home. I, it's Ivan already asked, but. You know, if you if you want it, Graham, you can take it home with you. Man, that's, no, I'm I'm not with you. No, no, that, Ivan can take that. He's um, he, he don't like it that much. <laughs> no, I do. No, I do. Oh. <clears throat> uh, so I I hope to get that done, and then there's a few other things I hope to bring too. So and and, and really, it's I'm bringing it to you know the comp is a way to to display your work, but I I really value the sigs, and what I hope to do is to connect with some of the sigs that. I have an interest in. So the next time I come to Telford, uh, you know, I can support them. So I'm really looking forward to that as well. And, you know, Ivan, I'd go back to your comment, Graham, you might not be entering the comp, but are you bringing work to the show that we can see? No, not this year. I did, I I did uh, a couple of years ago, but no, I'm not taking anything down this year. Partly because I'm too lazy to put it into boxes and make sure (laughs) it doesn't get broken. If I'm quite honest, but no, um, no, I only, I only brought one, um thing a couple of years ago and that was only because basically i was ordered to in a nice way but, um, <laughs> no it's, it's not not really my thing i'm i'm never that convinced my work's good enough to show to me quite <laughs> oh come on i know and I, that's not that's not me fishing for compliments i genuinely just think oh no no it's, just, it's it's no point but then again having said that if the judging was slightly different i might be comfortable <laughs> you know well, tempted, but I, I just have to point out, uh, John was just put in the chat, uh, the competition will be in Hall 3 this year, so it's not in the mezzanine. Oh, Halls right. 1 and 2 are a mix of trade and clubs, whilst Hall 3 is non-trade and just displays. Uh, so, cool. yeah, the competition will be in one of the halls again, which is really cool. I like that. Yeah, that, that, the lighting should be there. Should yeah, be. well, very much so. Yeah, I suppose if, because um, Edward aren't going, are they, this year? Nah. And they usually take quite a bit of real estate with their stands. Oh, so they've got a big sort of space by the time a few vendors don't come. Mm-hmm. will be a vast area left over there, I reckon. So, mm, yeah. I, I don't think they're coming because Ivan bought their entire stock. At the, yeah, they have nothing left. National. Yeah. 
He was like a great white shark hunting seals there for crying out loud. <laughs> I was pacing for like four hours. <laughs> There's marks in the carpet. They have to replace it <laughs> in the hall. So I mean, I, I did speak to um to to Jan from Edward and he just said it just is it's not in the books. Too much mm-hmm. too much paperwork and it, it costs more to get all that stock to England than it does to America. It's it is yeah, what it is. It's a shame they're not going to be there because they always have a really good presence and a really good stand. But yeah, it is. It is. It is what it is. So, real quick, I'd love to circle back, Luke. If if you could talk about maybe what you're bringing to the show, I look forward to seeing your work and can't wait to hear what you're going to bring. Yeah, well, don't look forward to it too much. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it will be disappointing. So, as I said about the the Warhammer stuff and the forty k stuff. So, at the start of this year, I entered a couple of forty k pieces into a, a very Warhammer-esque competition. They did quite well. So I'm bringing those with me because almost as a bit of an experiment to see how the IPMS judges receive those as opposed to the traditional scale model, essentially. I don't expect them to do anything because it's something that perhaps is a little bit left of field for, for an IPMS competition. Um, I'm also bringing, uh, a, an ICN 35th, uh, Chernobyl fire truck. Um, and I'm bringing, I think the 48 scale new Tamir Challenger 2. Mm. Nice. Um, and a couple of Rubicon models. So oh, nice. Those are nice. Um, yeah. They're really cool. I love them. So I've got a bit of a, a deal with Steve Perry, who is Rubicon UK essentially. Um, so Stoke on Trent IPMS Club, they have a Rubicon SIG that they go around all the shows in the UK with. Um, so any Rubicon kit I build goes to that SIG, um, and Steve supplies the kits to me. Um, oh, cool. to build for that SIG because he uses that SIG because he's unable to get around all the shows, um, logistically. He uses that SIG as a bit of a, an advertisement to, to try and encourage modelers to build Rubicon rather than just gamers. Um, because they lend themselves to it really. So there'll be a couple of those, um, a Crusader and a IDF Central. Nice. That's what I'm bringing. <clears throat> Having said that, next year, I'll be bringing some stuff to the show. Definitely next year because I'll have somewhere to put it, won't I, Luke? You will indeed. So <laughs> yeah, next year, uh, Black Rifle Model Works Community Group will have a standard table next year, um, a club standard essentially. So we were fortunate, fortunate enough to be accepted by IPMS UK as a club, even though we don't have a physical venue, we're very much online, um, which enables us next year to have a stand at Telford so the, the community group members can bring their work. And potentially if they're not confident to put it on a competition table, you know, but they want to show their work, then that's the place that we're going to do it. You'll be able to display it all weekend mm-hmm. on the stand. Yeah. And we're gonna we're gonna borrow a Jackson smoke machine. We're gonna have neon lights. It's <laughs> new dress. <laughs> I think something occurred to me on Friday night on um, on our live show that um, we may be the first ever um, virtual IPMS club. Love it. I don't think I know of any others. I don't think we're the first worldwide, but I certainly think. To have a display stand at Telford, we will be the first virtual club to do that. Mm. 
Unless someone steals our thunder in the next 12 months, maybe. I think think there's more people get into the sort of what we're doing here, um, video chatting over Zoom or StreamYard, whatever. I think it'll become more of a thing. Um, Because in in many ways, it works better than a physical club, doesn't it? Because you don't have to, you know, worry about showering and things like that before you go and sit next to somebody in a in a cold, dusty church hall every Wednesday night. You can do it every night from the comfort of your shed. It's lovely. Yeah, and it, it's something we touched on on Friday. So, for example, the five of us sat here talking about the hobby and everything else. If If we were part of a physical club, a local club, and that was it, well, I'd be talking to people that live within an hour of me you know, now I'm talking to guys that are in the States. We talk to guys in Australia, we all over the world. And and that can only be a positive thing. It mm. can only be a positive thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, I agree 100%. And I think that's an opportunity for IPMS in general is to embrace the online club because it's something that you can't find in a local club. I, it's it's crazy. I mentioned to people, oh, I'm going to the UK. My friend's going to pick me up. Oh, how do you know him? Well, I met him on the Internet. Uh, you know, shout out to John Bryan for hooking Jackson up for a ride. But it's it's a community, at least with scale modeling, that I've found that I don't think you could find. It's very difficult to meet people, you know, especially around the world, especially with similar interests and a similar person to be that, you know, quite frank. I I consider all of you friends and we've only talked digitally, whether it's through yeah. text or even seeing each other on Zoom. And you know, I think it's an excellent opportunity for IPMS to leverage. And it's also awesome that they're giving you the opportunity to have a table. And I have a question around that table. Is that something that IPMS provides to you? Do you have to pay for it? How, how does that work? Because I, I have no idea for SIGs. So for, for traders and vendors, obviously, there is a fee, mm-hmm. which is quite expensive. Um, for the SIGs and clubs, there is a nominal charge, but it, it's pennies really. Yeah. Uh, for essentially a six foot by four foot table. If you want more real estate, um, if you want power, then there is an additional charge on top of that. But again, I mean, I would imagine now due to the state of the world, the power thing will be quite expensive. Yeah. However, for real estate, for your stand, it's not expensive. It's pennies, really. That's um, awesome. And, I, and as long as you are registered with the IPMS, they would they will accept that. So yeah, it can only be a good thing. It's not expensive for clubs. That's that's a great enabler. You, you know, I want to take a step back. We had a question in the in the chat. I think it'd be great to acknowledge, and anyone's welcome to take it. For those who are not um, informed around what a SIG is, could you know, Ivan, could you define what a SIG is for our listeners? Yes, uh, it's a special interest group. Um, so it's, it's, it's basically a very specific subject that a display or a group will build. For example, there's a Spitfire SIG. All they will do is Spitfires. Um, like John said in the chat, there's a SIG for 144. They'll build everything as long as it's 144th scale. So rather than just being, um, a group for models, they are very specific models. Um, and, and that's all it is really. It's just a specialized subject, which, the SIG owners or the people who run it will have a really strong passion in, whether that be 109s, Sherman tanks, like we we did. Practically what we did for Nats was a SIG. It was an M3, M4 SIG. Yeah. Um, so, yes, it's, it's a very specialist subject. 
Um, and they're really cool because when you go around the table and see 50 Spitfires and every single one looks different, it's really impressive. Mm. So I, I really love the six. That's yeah. awesome. And one of the other things you mentioned, Ivan, for the show was seminars. Does, is, that, is that a thing as well at the show? Yes, I believe this year there are four uh, seminars, speeches, demonstrations. Um, I think, uh, this is, you'll have to forgive me for this one if I'm wrong. I think there's two on each day. Um, I think, I'm sure John will correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but yeah, we, we, we have, we have seminars. They're very different than they are in the US. Um, I, I've noticed. The presenters the turn US. up on time, John. <laughs> oh, well, tough. <laughs> <laughs> that was shady. Um, <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Although true, <laughs> he was too busy trying to, you know, weasel his way into Cabela's uh, back room and touch everything. <laughs> oh, the British guy's back. Three, the four times. Back. Yeah, um, yeah. So I forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> seminars. Uh, yeah, there, there are seminars at this show. There are four of them. Right they're now, very different. Hand. Yeah, they're very different. Um, uh, and I've noticed. The way they're done at the US show, the very the pushed heavy, like very like very encouraged to attend. Um, and I'm not saying that's not the case here, but I only realised this week that what was going on and what the demonstrations were and the about them. So, yeah, there are seminars and such at Telford. Um, if you can find time out of the day to attend, that's brilliant. But sometimes, because Telford, like the show is so busy, you, you do forget. You lose track of time so quickly. Yeah, day goes real quick. Yeah. Mm. So, talking about the day, what, what time does the show end? On Saturday, at 6 p.m., on Sunday, 4 p.m., and they want everyone out by 5, I think, or they want it all stripped down and basically as soon as possible on Sunday. The, the sooner they can hand the keys back, I believe. The, the better for them but um yeah it's it's traders uh media pass holders whatever uh eight till six on saturday ipms members nine till six on saturday and general public with tickets 10 till six on saturday and those times are the same for sunday but obviously just ending at four sounds like saturday is going to be a long day saturday's a very long day your feet will be killing like your legs will be knackered but it's a it's a good pain it's worth it yeah yeah and then saturday night we have plans i think we're all doing dinner yeah absolutely oh yeah i'm excited (laughs) yeah absolutely yeah i think i think we're in dinner every night for like seven days as well oh yeah (laughs) can't wait (laughs) so many dinner dates so oh yeah so many selfies. Um, <laughs> well, every time you go to a show every week, you take a picture of the food and send it me. So we'll be, we'll be doing that. Payback uh, for Scott. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yeah, we've all got dinner planned for Friday night. Uh, TGI Fridays, getting you some traditional British food. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got, uh, I believe, Hungry Horse for Saturday. Yeah, uh, we don't know what we're doing Sunday because that's when we all chooch it down yep. to uh, to Bovington. <laughs> you know what I want to do on Sunday? I've oh yes, I want to do. Graham's got a very traditional plan. We're, uh, where okay. we're staying? Where we're staying is a very picturesque harbour town on the south coast of England, where the hotel is we booked. 
And of course, it's traditional to eat fish and chips from the paper in Britain. So oh. that's what we're going to do sitting on the harbour wall. And it's all lit up at night. It's beautiful. It's really nice. It'll be bloody cold, but it'll be nice. Yeah. And I'm going to yeah. make Jackson eat the fish. He's not just having chips. <laughs> I don't like seafood. I don't. I'm going to eat oh. chips with salt and vinegar, no. uh, vinegar on it, and I'm, no. I'll be good. You can, you can have a peas. Pucker pie. No. No. <laughs> we'll stop by McDonald's and get him some nuggies. Yeah, he'll be nuggets and fries, please. Get him some tendies. <laughs> oh man! Just bring some frozen Dino nuggies and ask him to deep fry my fall. tater tots. I need to bring them. <laughs> so, uh, I, I actually have a question. Going back to the show, you know, when I think about the vendor hall, I have no idea what to buy because. I think it's going to be a demographic of vendors that probably I haven't seen a lot of what they had. Is there anything on, you know, each of your lists that you're, you know, you got to have, you're looking out for and maybe, maybe we'll start with for Graham. Not really, not this year. I'm going with a completely open mind um, and a full wallet, but just a completely open mind. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Full's relative though, Ivan, you know, I'm so um, rich. <laughs> we're not. We're not. We're not all um, English upper class royalty like yourself, Sir Ivan. Um, I'm not really a big person for buying kits. Um, I tend to like buying tools and paint more. Um, although I'm very tempted to um, pull the trigger on a PS770 airbrush. Nice. Very tempted, but we'll see. Very nice, Luke. How about yourself? Uh, I tend to use shows because you will get tools and products that are difficult to come by elsewhere so they will catch my eye not i'll obviously pull the trigger on those kit wise um, depending on the price so i think there's a misconception that people get a really good deal at telford yeah it's not always the case it, it, it's not this you know the sale of the century as far as the vendors go um, but if i can get them at a good price the new to me are f35 uh, to me, a comet and the Italieri 32nd GR4. Yeah, nice. I'm tempted by that as well, actually. I'm very tempted to see if I can get one of those. And I need a T55 as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, tools and there's always something that catches your eye. Yeah. That you have no sort of preconception that you would go in looking for that. And then you're like, yeah, bang. Oh, I'll take it. Yeah, nice. The, the benefit of the show, I guess. So, Graham, question what scale T55? Uh, 35th. I have one. I'll bring it. You can have it. See, this is the type of guy John is. <laughs> it's I aggressive generosity. You, you can have it. I'll bring it. Don't buy it. <laughs> Unless you want a mini art one. Well, no. That's what I was just going to say. It's not a mini art full interior kit. Cause <laughs> no. I have a Tamiya one. It's yours if you want it. Wow. Um, that's very kind of you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I I don't um I don't I, I don't didn't have any particular kit in mind, but it definitely won't be a full interior mini art. Not again. Mm-hmm. No, no, I couldn't go through that pain again. It was um it was uh, it was painful last time. I'm actually building a mini art kit at the minute, just a simple checkpoint, and even that the parts count is just ridiculous. <laughs> There's a little tiny telephone, and it was four parts with massive sprue gates, and it's like why? No, no, but it is nice. Yeah, thank you, John. I'll grab it from the stash right after this recording. Wow. It's in the look, at box. That, look at that grin. I'm glad I came. No? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, Jackson, what about you? What, what do you want? What does the Sherman Master want? It's actually nothing to do with Shermans. Ooh, and both of the kits that I'm coming for are fundamentally British. And I promise it's 
entirely coincidental. Um, so Mini Arts London type bus or B type bus, the 1919 version. That kit is insanely expensive over here. As long as I can find it under like whatever it is over here, I, I'll be buying that and finding a way to fit it in my suitcase. Uh, the other one is way long ago, Airfix put out a Doctor Who TARDIS kit that I have also been looking for forever. And uh, mm. they don't have that pretty much anywhere over here. So I'm hoping because Airfix is a bit bigger over there. And I guess so is Doctor Who in some ways. Uh, hoping I'll find that there. Um, other than that, I'm looking for a out of production Edward photo etch kit for the M151 MUT. Um, and then I'm also ordering some stuff through some UK uh, retailers that actually bring them to the show. Yeah. And that might be something Ivan wants to explain to because I didn't know about that. And I think it's awesome. There's um, yes. a, a great, a, a great opportunity for out of production kits as well. Cause there are a couple of vendors there who literally have had the same stuff in the back of their van for decades. Yeah. They keep turning it out. And if you were rummaged through that, you find some little gems in the way in there. That's oh, exactly so that, what I've been yeah, told you'll, me. you'll have fun in there. Oh, yeah. So, Ivan, your <laughs> list is long and distinguished. No, what's, well, what's on it? Well, I had no intention of buying anything at NAS. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Why? <laughs> How did that work out for you? <laughs> Expensive. Uh, well, that's Still paying for it. Yeah, I was saying to Jackson, I was like, I don't know if I should buy nothing at Telford and just do a big online order when I get back. And he said, why not do both? I thought, great idea. So at Telford, I'm on a World War One hunt. I really want some World War One resin figures, um, especially anything World War One that is remotely interesting. Our friend Zach recently did um, one of those resin uh, field guns. Looks really cool. Um, so anything World War One. I'm going to try and look for. I do really want figures. I know the Stalingrad figures are now out of production and getting really hard to find over here, but I, I'd like to think someone at the show will have them. Apart from that, kits, eh, all the kits that I want, I don't think are even out yet. Um, so yeah, supplies. I want some new sprue cutters, paints, glues, things like that. Um, Telford's always the show. I think we all, we've all said it. It's the good resupply shows to get your thinners, your primers, paints like that. It's, you go there, you buy that stuff. That's like a staple of your purchase. But apart from that, there's no real kits. I'm, I'm, all the kits I'm bringing, I'm swapping with these guys. Like, mm. I'm, bringing, I'm bringing a lot of plastic to the show just, we just always to get have rid a, of. We always have a bit of a swap fest, don't we? Mr. Hobby leveling, um, uh, service, Mr. Servicer, mahogany. I need to try this mahogany because everybody's raving about a Ferrama. Um, I need to give it a try. I don't like it, and I've never tried it. But I say that to wind the Americans up. Don't um, listen to him; it's really good. This, you this try is why it. we don't let him outside. Yeah, this is this is it's, a, it's, it's just a fad. Vallejo Prime is better. <laughs> so we're going to disinvite him from the group while we're there. Uh, we'll still take his reservations, but he can go someplace else. Uh, but the mahogany is great, and then also the black is really good too. Yeah, use the black so, all the time. Yeah. Um, I've got uh, two bottles with just dregs in at the minute because it's hard to get at the minute. So I'm Same. hoping to catch up with that. I, um, but I definitely want to try that mahogany. It looks good. Yeah, if you need some black brown, my local store has just had a resupply of the black 1500. So right. I'll, I'll get okay. some for you this week. If I can't pick any up, I'll uh, I'll definitely take you up on that. Yeah, I'll bring I'm it anyway. Them, uh, what's I'll his name? I'll have some. 
Yeah. I um, also just want to give a quick shout out because TJ called me out. TJ is a very good World War One figure painter. He's very good. He won't admit it. There you are. <laughs> that, <laughs> just, that, just one to... he's, that one he's doing or maybe just finished now, hasn't he? That That is just beautiful. The Austro-Hungarian he did was yeah. incredible. Absolutely gorgeous. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Ivan's okay, too, at figures. I mean, he's yeah. only a national award winner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a default win. <laughs> Oh man. So, you know, I think we've talked about the show a good amount. Let's let's fast forward to Sunday afternoon. What time do you think we'll start to close up shop and get on the road to head south to eat some fish and chips, which Jackson will eat and will enjoy? <laughs> I mean, I think so it now it it's gonna sound like nothing for you guys in the US, but to travel from Telford down to down to Dorset. We're probably looking at three, three and a half hours, maybe. Mm. Um, yeah. But UK roads are not good. <laughs> so uh, they're just not. It's, it's a nightmare to get anywhere. So I think really we want to be kind of leaving no later than sort of 4.30 so that we can get there, get checked into the hotel, get dinner and all that stuff. Because if we leave it much later... Because of where we're going to, everything closes. <laughs> so oh, yeah, Sunday, I forgot. Yeah, we'll be having a pot noodle in the hotel room. <laughs> hey, that, that's a that's a British traditional slice of bread and a pot noodle. Good night. <laughs> um, so yeah, may, maybe sort of four, half four. We need to be sort of thinking about getting on the road. Nice, nice. And then Monday, we wake up and head over to Bovington, which mm-hmm. will not disappoint. And Ivan's never been there. I'm a I can't believe that, Ivan. I um, haven't been since I was 13, which is <clears throat> lots of years ago. But you've been there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I just can't. I can't get my head around that you've never been. I don't. I don't travel internally. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my god! It sounds disturbing in a way. <laughs> I. Yeah. England, and I don't carry it? cash or take public transport. Well, that is true. Yeah, <laughs> it's, he only drinks Fanta. Nothing from a spigot. <laughs> the well, kind of sense of awe that you know JB and Jackson have built when they walk into Telford for the first time. I absolutely guarantee you will feel that when you walk into Bobington for the first time. Oh, yeah. The good thing is, if you do get bored of the tanks, you can nip next door because there's a monkey zoo next door. Monkey world. <laughs> <laughs> That's his speed. I fit right in. So maybe another question, very similar to the one we talked about, you know, Ivan, to you, maybe, you know, what are, what is your expectation of Bovington and what are you looking forward to see the most there? I know they've got a lot of tanks. Um, (laughs) I did it for the eye roll. (laughs) I mean, without sounding cliche, I really want to see one, three, one. Yeah. Obviously. But, um, the, the entire heavy German arc collection, the Tiger 1, the Tiger 2, Jag Panther, uh, Jag Tiger, just uh, they've got Ferdinand or an elephant, not sure which one it is. Uh, but also the more obscure stuff, like uh, they've got a Samoa there, yeah. Samoa over the rainbow, mm-hmm. uh, and all the little weird obscure tanks that aren't as mainstream. Um, yeah. Get a lot of pictures, get a lot of references for future builds we're all going to do because... We won't be able to find Jackson because he'll be in an engine deck somewhere just buried. <laughs> <laughs> just um, on the arresto yard. 
just yeah. climbing in hulks and stuff, offering <laughs> yeah. his service. Hey, yeah. I'll volunteer here. I'll stay here. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so their yeah. World War One hall is gorgeous. Mm. No, no, no. Yeah, that's what I'm excited for. They have a Mark IV that was one of the ones that was used technically in World War II. They basically reactivated it to like defend the British Isles uh, from the proposed German invasion. And they actually mounted like a Lewis gun ring mount to the top. And that exact Mark IV is at the museum. And I've wanted to build it for a while. So I'm going to go and see if I can like hold my hand up high with the camera and try to get a picture of the roof to see if there's any scars and see how they did it. So that's that's my go to thing. Nice. I think a selfie stick that works. Oh yeah, there you go. Use my gimbal. I'll just get on Ivan's shoulders. He can just hold me up there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, and Graham, you, it's been a while since you've been there. Anything yeah. you know striking your fancy that you want to see? Um, to be honest, I was just watching um, after listening to you guys talking about your Samwa build, um, and then seeing yours. <laughs> yeah. Um, I watched the tank museum do a, a, a load of videos about specific vehicles and I watched theirs on the Samoa as they call it. And it's in that really funky tricolor camo scheme banded. Mm-hmm. And it just looks amazing. I'm really looking forward to seeing that, to be honest, because I'm, I'm going to have to build one now, you realize. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the camo pattern that that's in looks awesome. And I definitely want to have a look at that. But other than that, I'm just, yeah, I was 13. So that's quite a lot of years ago since I was there last. So it's going to have changed a hell of a lot. And um, yeah, as I said in the chat the other day, um, uh, my my knowledge of armor and aircraft is very poor. So I, I, you know, I might need a bit of a nudge. And that's a tiger. Oh, is it? <laughs> right, okay, yeah. <laughs> nice, Luke. Anything for you? Uh, well, I was there. The last time I was there was three years ago, four years ago now. So what they've done is during the period that everything was closed, is they've re configured every single exhibition within the museum so what well, i'll be seeing that for the first time and it's a lot more interactive there's a lot of virtual stuff going on there that they've spent two years putting this new format together so that's going to be really interesting to to see um yeah and the world war one hall for me is just it blows my mind every time every time and they've got you know, they, they've got the cutaway and you can look inside the real vehicle and you just think how these guys operated in this like carbon dioxide, carbon monoxide. <laughs> and, and and we're still fine, you know, it's just, it's just amazing. Yeah, it really is. Um, and, and that area of the country is very kind of significant for me because in the British military, the reason it's at Bobington is because that's where our Royal Army Corps is based. Mm. It's a big training area. I've spent a lot of time getting wet, cold, and muddy around there. So, yeah, <laughs> I right. lived I lived down that part of the country for um, several years. Um, so I, I know the area pretty well, and I've holidayed down there a lot, few times when I was really young kid as well. Which is actually when I went to the tank museum when I was actually on holiday. I lived there for years and never went back. Um, so it's, yeah, it's always nice to go back, and the scenery that, down there is just stunning. It's beautiful. Jurassic Coast. So you've got all the the cliffs and if you want to go fossil hunting you can not that we'll have time for that because we'll be too busy tanking but it is beautiful down there yeah it's it's gonna be great i think one of the things i'm looking forward to at the tank museum is actually the gift shop um <laughs> I, th- I think they got a lot of cool stuff their uh, christmas jumper is out which i'm a yeah. big fan of so <laughs> we, we will be getting that i will wear that to the company holiday party so i i think that's one of the things i'm looking forward to is just uh all the trinkets that i can 
put mm-hmm. around my workshop and, and remind me of the good time. But, you know, the museum itself, I was there just about the same time you was, Luke, back in 2018. I actually had a, got to go on my honeymoon, moon, which was great. Um, and that was the tiger display there. So that's where, um, you know, they were all together except the Sturm Tiger. Carl mentions in the chat, yeah, the elephant did go home. Um, oh. But I know they still have, uh, I mean, they still got the other big boys, the Yog Tiger and the two, the two King Tigers and obviously one through one. So uh, the displays I really enjoy too is the modern stuff. So the, like the type 59 and the BMP they brought back from the Gulf war, seeing them kind of honestly raw and uncut in the Enigma, the T 55 Enigma is another one where it's, you know, so cool to see literally what came from the field. And then in that same area, they kind of have the uh, factory scene where they have some of the tanks. I think one of them's cut in half and they have the first Sherman, uh, you know, the oldest Sherman, which I'm sure Jackson's going to go, you know, touch the glacis and, you know, <laughs> feel all of its texture. And- I'm excited to see it again, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so take a selfie with it and, you know, that'll be his new profile on any dating app. So, you might have uh, to pry me off it. I'm going to be yeah. honest. <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, every aspect of the museum is going to be great. And then is, I think there's an opportunity to look at least over onto the restoration hall or that big hall. Essentially it's a, you know, a huge warehouse. Yeah. That's yeah. impressive as well. I mean, we could just name drop you and they'll let us drive or whatever. Um, I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that works, but <laughs> we brought John Bonani over. Oh, here are the keys for one. No. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Spud. Uh, I think Spud's going to be there with us as well. So that's, that's going to shape up to be a great trip. In addition to, you know, us online here, John Everett's, but anyone else that we're missing that's going to be joining us for that trip? Uh, ben. Ben. Okay. Yeah. No, uh, Ben, yeah, Ben, yeah. I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. The others have to, uh, return home. <sighs> Go back to regular life. Yeah. Boring, innit? It's unfortunate. It's <laughs> unfortunate. So that, I, that Bovington trip actually was really fortuitous because Ivan and I had just been talking about it probably about a week before the, this plan started. And I sort of said, Ivan, because I've, quite happily often go and pick him up from home and ferry him around the country because he doesn't do public transport and um <laughs> we, we he just mentioned that he really wanted to go and i said well i'll tell you what let's sort it out i'll come and get you and we'll, we'll have a weekend down there or something and uh he said yeah yeah and it was just one of those things that we'll sort it out at some point and then i think it was three or four days later when you'd said that you wanted to go and ivan sort of put in the chat oh i wouldn't mind uh john and them are asking to go to the tank museum luke was like i'll be up for that and i thought yeah, so will I. Let's go. Let's <laughs> nice. So yeah, it's all worked out really well. It's going to be brilliant. That's it's absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited. Can you tell? It's, um, I, I think what I enjoy about the Tank Museum is that is their enthusiasm. Yeah, for, for the the subject, um, and they're massive fans of modelling. They're massive fans of the hobby. There's videos on the YouTube channel about it, you know, people yeah. building armor and stuff. And yeah, they're, they're massively encouraging to, to that side of it. So yeah, it's going to be a great time. Oh, it is. Yeah. One thing I think we focused on as well with this is I made it obvious with all my posts on Facebook and I've mentioned it a billion times. When I went to the US, it was more than just the model show. It was mm. the week beforehand with all the museums and food and having a great time. And we were really trying to make that the same here it's more than just telford it's it's everything else that we can do um it's it's impossible to beat john at being a host but we can certainly try 
No, and and that's what I'm looking forward to as well. You know, I've seen in the chat here a lot of people have chimed in that they'll be at the show, and certainly I've watched your live streams from Black Rifle and a lot of the folks there that are looking forward to it. And and that's the that's the goal. I mean, I'll have the plastic posse shirt on. I'm going to have loads of stickers. We're we're just going to have a a really good time, and that's that's what I'm looking forward to the most. I don't expect to, you know, see everything because we're going to see every one. And I think that's probably, you know, the more important thing. Mm-hmm. And, and that sense of community, you know, making those international connections uh, that'll last a lifetime. That's absolutely that's it's, great. It's forging friendships. That, that's mm-hmm. what it's about without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. And then, you know, we can respond in kind for Texas because I know, Luke, you're coming over. I am. And, you know, I don't know if you've made travel arrangements yet, but you are certainly oh, yeah. welcome in Denver. Uh, with Ivan beforehand, if you want to see that part of the country, and we'll make a trip down. But getting back to Telford, this is—I'm speechless. It's going to be great. It's a pretty big deal. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, we are what nine days away, ten days away. It's—it's mm-hmm. it's going to be here before we know it. I have more work to do on my models, and I'm sure you gentlemen do too. So, well, Ivan's quit modeling for the time. Yeah, I've, I've, I'm on sabbatical for a week. Two weeks. I don't know whether I mentioned it, Ivan, but I finished my last shift today, so I've got plenty of time on my <laughs> Yeah, I've got a, I've got one day off than a seven day run, so you could be in the hangouts all day, so modeling, chilling. One, you've got one full day off. That's twenty four hours. Yeah, yeah, but that's you know, a I lot. Say, of, that's a lot of time to work on Tomcats. Or you could yeah, just give so, up. It's up to you. So <laughs> he's conceded I, I, already. I, I've already yeah. conceded. Gowan. Luckily, luckily, we've both agreed that we don't want comments. <laughs> I think that's blasphemy. I don't think I can say that with oh, Ritz on. Not publicly. What you not publicly. What you Here we are, public <laughs> to the world. Um, but no, it. Yeah, I. You know that. Joking aside, it's if it's there, I'll probably buy one. So um, yeah. it's. I mean, seeing Sam's build of it, I know. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Spencer, or Marcus have one that they're working on. So. I foresee it being a very popular subject. And to be honest, I'm really looking forward to Airfix at the show. You know, you know, call me what you want, but I'm I'm really looking forward to their display. I've heard they do a really good job. Will they make an announcement at the show? Is that planned? I well, I heard a rumor today that their tw- new 24th scale Spitfire is going on sale as of the 6th of November. Hmm. Well, I'll be buying one at the show then. Um, so if, if that is correct, and that's from a fairly reliable source, so if that is correct, they will have that. That wouldn't be surprising. It's, it's got to be very, very close to production yeah. now. Um, and it's been produced more... in the UK. So yeah. logistically, it's not a big deal for them to, to mm. get fairly soon. Yeah, like you said, they they do a nice stand anyway. They've always got uh, built models painted and and decaled and all that, but they've also got them just built from plastic so you can see just them naked, really cool. Um, I'm hoping, I'm really hoping Adam Tooby's stand is next to them this year again. His artwork is just, you you guys know, incredible. I've got a piece on my wall. I want to buy a few more because he's just a magnificent illustrator and artist. So I really hope he's there again. Um, yeah, it's just, it's going to be really good. Um, but I remind yeah. you, uh, sorry, uh, if you're buying food and drink at the venue, card only, they won't take cash. Gotcha. I'm, I'm actually really happy to hear it too, because 
I love his digital box arts. I, yep. I want a couple and that's probably going to be one of the things I bring back. I just got to think about the size and the tube fitting in the, uh, in the suitcase. That'll be the most important thing. <laughs> well, if you do see anything there, John, that you're going to struggle to get back, I am happy to bring it back to here and then I'll ship it out to the US. Oh, cool. I really appreciate that. That might be something with the posters because I could get them in a nice solid tube mm-hmm. and then send them back because yeah. it's one of my concerns with those always. Yeah. Well, yeah. if you, if you, he has a catalog there and he's got them in tubes under the table ready. Oh, cool. So if you buy a piece, it'll give it your, with obviously the, the number that's sealed and signed and it's already in a really rigid tube. So they're good to nice. know. That's good. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I'm looking at all the things. I cannot wait. Yeah, all of the stuff, all the stuff, and then the cigs and the people and the food and you know we'll get we'll get you know we'll stop at McDonald's beforehand. Get Jackson his Happy Meal. We'll be, we'll be all set. It'll be great. I just I just I can't mean, wait. I, need I mean, last milk. I need yeah, milk. sorry. There's which is different milk. To, yeah. Which is different to a chocolate milkshake, apparently. But whatever. So it's a whole other conversation. <laughs> last night, last night, Jackson were looking at clubs for us to go at in London. Oh, yeah. Yep, we're gonna hit up a club one of the nights we're in London for sure. Yeah, you know, I told him because... he doesn't have a choice, and he will be dancing because he said Ooh. he never dances. So I'm like, all right, we're gonna get you enough beef eater strawberry gin to. <laughs> so please, please take a video. Oh, there will be videos, and it will be all over the podcast page. Believe me, <laughs> we'll get new stickers. <laughs> Oh, no more if you can catch it, there's, a, there's a well-known club called Scala in London, and they do a a, um, a, a non-lyric power ballad night. Huh. And I was I don't I don't do nightclubs, but I was dragged in there some years ago. We were going to see Green Day at Wembley, and the night before, I got dragged into Scala, and it was all power ballads, but with no lyrics. And there were all those, you know, those inflatable saxophones and stuff. Mm-hmm. There was those lying around, and everybody just had to sing the songs and pretend to play instruments. And it was actually really good fun. That's <laughs> unique. That sounds that fun. sounds like my type of night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Ooh, just I have to mention, uh, John Tapsell has just mentioned if there's an empty glass case in front of the Earthix stand, then they'll be announcing mm-hmm. something. Yeah. That's, yeah. So pay attention if there's an empty stand. That means something's coming. Nice. So sticking on the topic of late night events, and I know we're coming up a little bit over an hour. We'll probably call it here soon. One of the things, you know, at the IPMS Nationals, the night affair, you know, once the show ends, the real party begins. Is that the same type of environment there? Is there a local pub or place, you know, hotel rooms? Does does that type of environment exist outside of the show hours as well? <laughs> I don't think Premier Inn will appreciate Nat's level noise. Um, I'll just say that now, getting kicked out by security at 3am. But everyone will know that there's a Weatherspoons nearby. Which You've never been in the Weatherspoons? You're not missing much. It's a bit loud. Wow. Yeah, don't, yeah you're not missing much. <laughs> uh, nightlife, there's restaurants, there's a couple bars. Telford Centre isn't a big centre. Um, you You make your own legal entertainment mm. yeah. i'm glad you caveated it as legal <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> yeah i think it's about the group of friends that you're there with mm-hmm. so there absolutely will be good times after the day has ended oh yeah um, but for a lot of people they they retire get something to eat retire to the hotel room and that and that's it um but yeah, we we would definitely be sociable, that's for sure. Oh yeah. 
outstanding. There's, there's so, gin to be had. <laughs> pink gin, right? Oh, yeah. Strawberry gin. Apparently, there's a difference. No, uh, it's just the bottle you looked at just said pink. It was but it said pink, strawberry. And then in the description, it said strawberry flavor. It's not the same bottle that I have on my <laughs> shelf. <laughs> so we're a little bit over an hour. We'll we'll tidy this up. Maybe one last parting shot. You know, as we look forward to Telford, um, you know, we've kind of hinted at it. We've kind of talked about it, but I'd love to go around the room one last time for each person to, you know, state what are they looking forward to the most? And, you know, we can, we can all leave with that. So we'll, we'll just go around the ring. I'll start with Ivan. Uh, you guys, I, I wouldn't go to Telford if I was going on my own. Simple as that. Same, same in us. If I was going solo, I won't bother. Um, you guys and the friends and the social make the shows what they are. Simple as that. Spending time with you lot and having a laugh. Awesome. Jackson? I'm going to sound redundant, but also you guys. Um, more specifically, I'm really excited to see Ivan again. We had a blast hanging out at, at Nats. So uh, we've been talking a lot on Discord and stuff back and forth, and it'll be fun to hang out with him in person again. And then on top of that, I've got a few other friends over in England that I'm excited to meet in person. Uh, Christian Wolf is one of them. He does amazing modeling work, and uh, I'm bringing him a kit that he wanted. So I'm excited to meet him in person uh, and honestly just experiencing a, a non-U.S. show for the first time. I think it'll be really fun. Nice. Luke? Um, I can only echo really. <laughs> it's the social side, meeting you guys for the first time. There's lots of members of, of the Black Rifle group that I kind of know the name, but I don't know them. They've already said they'll be at Telford. We're going to try and do some sort of meet and greet thing and actually meet these people face to face, shake hands, have a coffee, whatever. Um, so that for me, that's the, the whole purpose of the weekend. And I'm also little Al McNeish is staying at my house that weekend. So, uh, I'm looking forward to hosting Al for sure. Awesome. <laughs> Definitely. Graham, your thoughts? Yeah, exactly the same. It's all about the social for me. Although I think for the first time, I'm actually probably more likely to pay more attention to the to the club and sig stands for for some sort of inspiration now i've got for for me i've got some stuff in in mind that i want to build and i'm looking for some ideas on that but overwhelmingly it's just the socials really it's it's just meeting everybody it's going to be great awesome well i i'll echo the same but i think you know all of us can agree it's not only the people we know but the people we haven't met yet yeah i'm sure that we're going to walk away from the show with newer relationships, new friendships and long lasting, just, you know, a brotherhood to be honest and yeah. look forward to meeting everyone in the black rifle community, other communities, seeing their work, sharing stories and honestly making memories and, and look, you know, just building upon what, you know, we've had presence online and bringing it in person. And then also, you know, sharing this with other people that have considered Telford. I think, one thing is we we've we've been really lucky to you know bring people into the IPMS Nationals you know through the Triple P you know when I looked at Telford going live streams with with you folks and in the Black Rifle community the, the folks of the Triple P and and just again maybe maybe next year it it attracts one more person and mm -hmm. it attracts a person not only to the show but the community in which we're trying to build and and that's what I look forward to as well and I can't wait to shake all of your hands and, you know, share a pint and certainly, you know, treat for at least one of them. And, you know, again, come back a month from now that I don't even want to think about um, and have a recap around, you know, what we shared and, and, and what we'll never forget. So 
Absolutely. you know, with that, if there's no other parting shots, we can, we can call it, we can thank our listeners for, you know, cheering, uh, you know, tuning in, listening in. And then this will be posted not only on Facebook, but YouTube, but it'll go in the upcoming episode that drops prior to Telford. I think it drops the Wednesday prior to. So if you're heading to Telford, you can certainly tune in and have a listen, get hyped, get excited. We look forward to seeing you. And again, I want to thank everybody that was not only online participating, but my lovely co-hosts here. So I can't wait to see you in person. It's going to be awesome. great. Good oh, yes. So with that, take care, enjoy yourselves and each other, and we will see you in Telford. Well, that was a great chat, and the rest of us are not at all jealous that you guys are going to Telford. And uh, also, make sure you take good care of my son, Jackson, while he's out of uh, the country, and hopefully (laughs) you can get him back in one piece. (laughs) It's now time for our discussion point. Since TJ and Scott talked about MMSI, it would be a good idea for the rest of us to talk about a few other shows or events we went to in the last weeks. Doug? Well, we were invited um, as as a, the whole podcast was invited. I for, unfortunately was the only one that could participate in scale models for vets from the Netherlands. Um, it was a 48-hour group build. They weren't real strict about scales, although I did stick to 48 scale. Had a whole bunch of different stuff going all through there from different aircraft. Uh, somebody was building an ATST from Bandai. I chose a 148 scale Matilda, Matilda Mark III four from Tamiya. Was able to knock that out in a couple of days. Had a great time doing it. Enjoyed my visiting with everybody uh, from across the pond. I think I was the only person from North America participating. Just had a great time. Yeah, it was great. I jumped in a couple of times when I had a little bit of free time, and your Matilda looked fantastic. There were some great builds in that again. Um, yeah, yeah. I had a, that was looked some really good work. Your camo was fantastic on that little thing, and you knocked it right out of the park. Well, it took a lot of tape. <laughs> to get those edges, straight edges, it wasn't that hard. It, 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 I thought it was going to be more complex than it ended up being. I mean, you don't want to put it under a microscope and look at some of those lines, but, but for a 48-hour build, I was pretty happy with it. Uh, you should have been. It looked great. It looked great. And, you know, a tanker doesn't paint straight anyway. Trust me, they don't paint straight at all. Uh, I was actually lucky enough to attend the Antelope Valley IPMS show, uh, which was uh, last weekend. So it was the last weekend of October, I think. Yeah. 400 plus models, 72, 73 entries uh, enter, uh, people entered. Uh, it was another great little show. It's been the first time they've had that show in two years because of, of course, COVID, but it was a fantastic show. Ran into a lot of uh, great people again. Uh, a lot of people saying hi, uh, love the show. A lot of people saying, you know, you, you're doing a great job and we appreciate it. And that's great to hear. Also, Bruce was there, Ivan, your buddy from uh, Nationals, and he said to tell, tell you hi, uh, and he wants to tell the rest of you guys hello, and he can't wait to see you guys again and hopefully coming up soon. Also, uh, ran into a couple of my friends out here. Uh, Mike Armstrong, of course, was with me, with me uh, uh, Steve Monroe, uh, and a couple, uh, Roger uh, Ferrara, who's a fantastic 172nd scale aircraft uh, builder. I sent some pictures of his work. He did a Mustang. Uh, which was in uh, Brit- or sorry Polish markings. He did an Argentine. Uh, I can't think of 
remember what kind of aircraft it was, but he also did a Japanese flow plane. Um, all fantastic to first and second in this category. Just fantastic work. There was some really good work there. There's some a lot of modelers there from the local area. People came down from Fresno. People came up from San Diego. Captain Joe Borsch was there from uh, Las Vegas, and he brought over his huge table of uh, model sh- uh, cars, which was great to see, and he did really well there. And it was like really nice to see Joe again, and uh, can't wait to see him out in Vegas pretty soon. That's about it for me. What about you, TJ? So recently, um, our buddy Jackson and I went to Harvard de Grace, Maryland for MarauderCon. It was a good time. It's far away. It's like two hours from my house. Um, it was worth the drive. It's uh, a little bit north of Baltimore in Maryland. Yeah, it was great. Pretty decently sized show. Uh, the the Model Geek said it was about the same size as the Fairfax show that the, my local show. I don't think it was. I think it was. I think it was a fair bit smaller, still well attended. I just love going to shows, man. It's just so much fun. And getting to hang out with Jackson all day is also you know, a huge plus. And uh, we went and had lunch with uh, a buddy of mine and he hung out of the house for a little while. He saw my sweet ass 116 scale Sherman that uh, really convinced him to buy one. So, yeah. That's great to hear, man. I'm glad Jackson, I mean, you know, he's like your little brother now, it sounds like. So it's great to take, you know, take him over to England. JB and you know and get him and Ivan and JB can be the official adult for the next couple of weeks. Or his dad's. Or his dad. <laughs> JB, tell us about your little adventure, Top Gun Ace. There. Oh boy! So the last couple of weeks have been really busy, but good busy. I had the opportunity to go out to Southern California and get a ride in a T thirty eight, which was uh, pretty much one of the coolest things I've ever done in my life. Um, so I had an hour, you know, in the back seat and got to fly a lot of it and. Uh, I hate to report, I'm not going to be an aircraft modeler. It was awesome, but I'm, I'm not. I have a T-38 model, so shout out to Steve Baker for sending that as a prelude to the event. Uh, just a really great time. Was down in Burbank for a few hours. Honestly, I think I flew in and flew out all within about 24 hours. But I, I hit the key things. I had in and out uh, I went out to, I was in Mojave, so there's a nice little display outside the airport there with, um, I think it's, a, what is it, Saab Vigan, I think, is there. And then an F4, that was a drone. And then I actually went over to the Westgate at Edwards. I couldn't go on base, but outside they have a Century Series display, which is pretty cool. So they have all the Century Series fighters there. And you can actually see the new building they're building for the Flight Test Museum. So that should be exciting where they can you know, bring everything out from the museum that they have on base and then give the public access to those aircraft. So it's a cool little spot. Uh, looking forward to when it's done. But on my way back, I was very fortunate to run into Grant. Just missed JC at Burbank House of Hobbies. You know, JC, a good friend of the podcast, has been talking about the place for a long time. Grant has certainly mentioned it as well. And I finally had an opportunity to stop by before my flight out. And uh, let me tell our listeners, it is a fantastic shop. Absolutely fantastic, as Ivan would say. But it's located right there in Burbank, super short distance away from the airport. So if you're Flying in and out of Burbank, it's probably, what, less than five minutes away, Grant? Oh, yeah. It's on Victory Avenue there. You can't miss it. Can't miss it. Super small. You know, super small. I wouldn't say even say super small shop. You know, it's the size of a standard, um, you know, storefront, maybe 20 feet wide. But it is chock-a-block full with stuff. And it's quality stuff. It's everything from, you know, premium die-cast, Gundams, armor, aircraft, built stuff from the local community you know, scratch and dent. The latest releases, I have the Japanese 150 ton heavy tank from Tacom. That is nowhere to be found in the United States. And they had one there. Speaking of, they have another one in stock. I was there today. Jeez. Oh man. (laughs) They, yeah, they get stuff more than anybody else. And their, you know, their Mac collection, that's another thing, you know, for folks, 
that are looking to participate in the group build, Burbank House of Hobbies has a solid Mac uh, stock, and their prices are relatively you know market you know market rate, and they're fast shippers as well. But in addition to the kits, the consumable aisles are again second to none. They have literally every brand of paint ever known to scale modeling. They have every tool known to scale modeling, and it is all very. It's just really clean, very well organized. And it's just a really great shop. It gives you a good feeling when you walk in the door. And then I actually like too, around the top, on the one side, they had really old retro kits and retro builds, which was which was honestly like a mini museum around the top of the uh, place. But highly recommended for anyone in Southern California. Very, very much worth the trip. If you're in and out of Burbank, easy stop. So for our airline pilots, you know, Jeremy Moore, uh, John Everett, and I know Steve Baker's been there. You know, if you folks stop by, it's, oh man, it's so good. It's dangerous. And yeah, it was, it, it was a good stop. And then afterwards had uh, dinner with Grant uh, and his lovely wife. So that was, was great. We had tacos, very romantic, uh, you know, Grant and I, sorry, we had the third wheel, I guess she probably yeah. felt a little awkward, uh, but no, it was, it, it was actually a really great time to get to know her. And we had a really great discussion around the podcast, you know, how, you know, what, what are we going to do in 2023 and you know, hearing her input was, was really valuable. And it was also great to have just a fresh perspective outside of the six of us. So really, really fun dinner. I am certainly grateful for it. Grant treated and uh, the tacos were great. So I will uh, certainly look forward to coming visit again. We have a new partner here at the Posse. I want to welcome HobbySwap.com to the Plastic Posse. Has your stash become monstrous? Need cash or maybe just some extra space? Or maybe you're looking to grow your collection? Try finding that special, unique kit? Well, Posse members, we whatever your needs are, check out HobbySwap.com. That's Hobby-Swap.com. Did I mention that at HobbySwap, you can list as many models as you want to sell for free? That's right, unlimited free listings. They also have lower fees than any of the other big-named auction sites, and it's easy to use. Posting a kit for sale takes as little as 30 seconds. HobbySwap.com. It's like going to a model show every time you log in. Check out HobbySwap.com today. That's H-O-B-B-Y-S-W-A-P.com. All right, my turn. Social media shout outs. The one thing that I love the most because we have such a great group of individuals that post in our posse group on Facebook. I'm going to highlight some that have stuck out to me recently, and I'm going to open up the mic to anyone else here as a host that wants to contribute as well, because there has been some really, really nice stuff. I'm going to say four, so I actually might steal some that they wanted to list, but I'll start off with Mike Libero. He's building a droid tank from AMT, one of my favorite vehicles from the sci-fi you know, universe that is Star Wars. So he's just started that, really looking forward to, you know, as he goes through construction and paint. And then I got to give a shout out to GC Scale Models. His Lab 3 is really coming together well. I would encourage all of our listeners to go over there and look at his build. Tons of photo etch, and it's just getting into paint. Really, really nice work. And then the last two I'll briefly highlight is Glunar Baumer's M114. It's such a cool vehicle, but I love that he's done that, you know, super unique NATO scheme from, I think it's the 80s. It's like the tan, orangish brown, green, and black scheme. Very, very well done. Hard edge, uh, certainly inspirational. And then the last one I'm going to highlight is Jesse Naughton's ISU-152. Probably stole that from somebody else because it is an absolutely fantastic build. And I might have the opportunity to see Jesse here in Denver over the next week and meet up at Colpar. So that's what really stuck out to me. Thank you so much for contributing. 
contributing all. Anyone else got anything to shout out? Yeah, I want to give our buddy uh, Grizz, Grizzle, Grizzle Shizzle, uh, Zachary Grizzle. He did a little vignette of like um, a, a machine gun, um, like a little kind of toad machine gun. I'm not sure what the exact model number is, but really fantastic. Great presentation on a little bit of a base. And uh, I think you really crushed that build really sharp. And so, uh, Zach, great job on that. And then... I wanted to reach out to our good friends, uh, Dave, Ian, and Julian over at On the Bench and tell them congratulations. Um, Podfather Dave, guys, way to go. 150 episodes. That's a heck of a benchmark. And uh, you guys uh, kind of were the ones that uh, pushed this space uh, out there. So great job. Congratulations. I was going to say what Zach was working on is a 37 millimeter auto cannon. It is of German design. Are any of you guys familiar with Squidmar Miniatures on YouTube? Yeah, he's very good. Yeah, I've been using him for the last week. I'm trying to... Uh, TJ's really inspired me to try to, to work on my bust game. And so on, on TJ's recommendation, I printed out some busts a couple months ago. And I used Squidmar's technique. I'm slowly learning how to how to paint and shade and do all that stuff with some advice from TJ, which is highly, highly uh, appreciated. That's it, it was Squidmar Miniatures. If you ever get a chance, check them out. They're on YouTube. Uh, I'm going to throw a shout out to uh, Aussie Scale Modelers. Good guys. Uh, you know, they give good show reports. They have all kinds of great stuff on there. They do some great models. They're actually heading to the same contest the Sam Dwyer's heading to right now. So if you have a chance, just look up a Aussie Scale Modelers on Instagram or Facebook and you'll really enjoy their site. Thank all of you for joining us on episode 57. You can send your feedback or suggestions to plasticpossepodcast at gmail.com. All of us at the Posse want to thank you for being the best listeners and supporters and being a part of the great community. Hopefully, each of you gets to spend some time at the bench doing the best hobby out there, scale modeling. Yeehaw! I just finished the Rings of Power. Actually, was yeah. You guys seen that? Not yet. No, I'm not a nerd. Whatever. Bull. <laughs> it says the <laughs> says the guy in the Fallout chair. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Seriously, says the guy eating a McDonald's McFlurry, McFlurry. In a video game. Chair. <laughs> I didn't know ice cream was exclusive to nerds. <laughs> know what fallout chairs are well i know what we could talk about because i hopefully everyone here is watching it but uh how good is andor oh i need to catch up oh Meh. Me too. Meh. Yeah. oh come on wow. okay best star wars series yet yeah. it's better than mando yeah oh. uh it's the writing is deep it's got the best characters developed yet it's just it's the best show all around how about it's the best Star Wars since The Empire Strikes Back? I, I, I might go there.
I, I could actually go there. I could go I'm going to push Ivan in the Thames when I yeah. see him. <laughs> yeah. and, and do, you know, do you know what I've seen? Because I've not watched it. Not oh, watched it. What? Until I, until I watch it, it's meh. There's a big surprise. This, coming from the same guy that's like, I don't like Mr. Mahogany 1000. Yeah. I've, yeah, I've, I've never used it. I've I've never been to Telford, even though I live like right down the road. You know, hey, you know, I I did not to Telford. Yeah, or whatever. I'm sorry. Your but sphere anyways. of influence, fifty mile circle around your <laughs> domicile. Andor is good. Yes, it, it is. is good. Is Darth um, Vader in it? No, I'm not interested. I love how the way they, matter. I, I love how they they're bringing uh, Rogue One. And the ser- the actual Star Wars four, five, and six into the actual episodes. How they're talking about how you know I've been fighting the Empire since I've been six years old. You know, it's it, fantastic. <laughs> Shut up, Ivan. No, sorry, I, I, I just saw JV's picture of me eating ice cream. <laughs> Scott, I also watched the Rings of Power, and um, it was okay. I really um, like. I really liked. It. I thought it started slow, um, but I really thought it ended well, and. Um, Man, after reading the Silmarillion, the fact that they've been able to make it compelling, I think, is a pretty, pretty good um, uh, accomplishment. What did, What did you like about it? Uh, the dwarves. They're the best part of anything. Lord of the Rings. It, it, so I, I'm not. I'm not. The, I'm not a big like Tolkien nerd, right? I've never read the Silmarillion, so whatever, any of that stuff. I have not even finished reading the original Lord of the Rings. I've read most of the uh, Fellowship of the Ring, and I've read some of the Hobbit. I've seen all the movies. Love the love the original trilogy. Did not care for the Hobbit, but I also know a lot about the lore, which a lot of it I don't care about because it doesn't really matter. That the, it could be compelling without being beholden to the very very dense lore that um, surrounds the Legendarium. My biggest complaint, one of my biggest complaints, and it's something that. Um, Game of Thrones suffered from as well towards the end of its run is how fast people go very, very long distances. So I want to say it's the last episode or second last episode where Gadriel takes Halbrand from essentially a Mordor all the way to Aregion and he's mortally wounded and she makes that ride and says it takes her a while to get there. It's like a legit thousand miles away. It's like almost on the other side of Middle Earth. That bothers me because I know it's very, very far away and I can I can hand wave away some of it. Like, I don't really care. Same thing when Frodo rode from Weathertop to um, why is my brain not working? Where Elrond lives? Rivendale. Rivendale. That's oh, yeah. that's a far yeah. ride, too. Right. And and he was wounded. So there was, you know, he gets there really fast, but also it takes him a while in the book. Uh, it takes a little less time in the movie. So some of this I'm okay with, but I'm like, that's really far away. And he's like literally dying like on the way there. He should be dead. He should just have died. But I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't like, I'm not going to, Oh, this show sucked because they rode from Mordor to Aregion in in almost no time at all. That, I don't care about that. Um, yeah. The Numenorean ships got home pretty fast too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's that too. I, I get that you have to compress time yeah. and that they did that in Lord of the Rings too. Cause the fellowship of the ring, that a lot of stuff happens before the fellowship actually forms Yeah, and it takes a lot of time. And I get, you have to compress that to make compelling TV or movies. So that, that stuff doesn't bother me. It, when it starts to get egregious, like that was one of my I 
it bothered me in Game of Thrones too, but I, I that's not why the last couple seasons of Game of Thrones sucked or weren't as good as they should have been. Yeah. That's just another thing to add to the pile. But yeah. overall, I enjoyed it. I'm look I'm looking forward to season two. I'll watch it. I mean, I watched it religiously, you know, every Friday. I didn't wait. I got home and took a shower and went downstairs and watched Lord of the Rings. Or I'm sorry, the Rings of Power. Yeah. No, the the production values were really, really high. And like I said, I think they did a good job of kind of combing through, you know, volumes and volumes of what were I th- I I don't think Tolkien ever intended for the Silmarillion to be a book. I think they just kind of wanted to publish a book. So they took a lot of writings, but I thought they've, they've done a pretty good job, but I'm a Lord of the Rings nerd. So, you know, I've read, read the main story dozens of times really good, but I think the production values are really incredible. You know, obviously Weta is doing a top notch job and, and I will give Amazon credit. They're sparing no expense. Yeah, that's true. The, the biggest, so the production is great. The I think the biggest complaint I have is it's being run by two first-time showrunners, and it's very obvious um, that they have not run a show before, let alone a show of this scale. Like being a showrunner is a hard job. That's why there's a lot of turnover on even popular shows. I mean, look at Walking Dead. You know, even Game of Thrones went through more than one showrunner. Like it, it happens, and uh, they are not the best showrunners and their writing is not the best. Uh, I think a lot of the complaints that I have, if their writing was a little bit better, I would probably have less of those complaints. It's just really weak in a lot of areas. Not to say I disliked it. It's just like, this is, you can tell the people that wrote this and are running it. This is the first time they've done it. So I would like to think that it's going to get better. You know, I mean, they've already said there's going to be a, what, like five seasons. They've already committed to multiple seasons, which you just don't see. I mean, even yeah. look at look at uh, House of the Dragon, which was fantastic, mm-hmm. amazing. There was no way it wasn't going to be successful, but even they didn't commit to more than one season before the first season was done. So, yeah, it's what five five seasons is uh, what they're going to do minimum on that's Rings of what Power. They said, which hey, I'm I'm there for it. But yeah. Henry Cavill said the same about being The Witcher, and now he broke my heart, and he's quit. <laughs> Yeah, that's because that DC money started yeah. calling his name. It's a combination yeah. of the, the, he's Superman again. Yeah. He was a good Superman anyway. And he said a million times he wouldn't stick to it if they wouldn't keep to the original yeah. story. They and kept he's trying argued to change with the writers. it. Yep. The writers have openly said they didn't like the original books, which is why you're writing a, a, rich, a Witcher series then. And he's argued with them so many times, he's had to change scenes because it's not part of the original. Uh, yeah. I mean, so I understand him saying, well, if it's if you're not going to do it right, then I'm not going to be part of it. But Liam Hensworth, I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to judge because he's not, obviously we've not seen him do it yet. To be fair, everyone was complaining when the first shots of Henry Cavill and the wig surfaced online. They're like, this looks so dumb. Mm. And then everyone fell in love with it. So, yeah, it definitely, definitely works. So, uh Doug, Grant, TJ, what do you think? JB's pizza or Ivan's ice cream treat? Uh, I'm still going with Ivan's ice cream. So that was that was good. This was Jet's pizza. So oh, Jet's is good, oh. man. Oh, that's <laughs> good stuff. Right now, oh. oh man, I was dying. I needed some, and I can't contribute <laughs> to that conversation because I'm uneducated. 
<laughs> you did watch House of the Dragon, though. Yeah, I don't really remember much of their names. I feel they all kind of sound the same. Well, there's like three Aegons, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Just call him Aegon, and the, got a the good pirate guy out. with the eye patch. That's Aemon. <laughs> Is yeah. everyone a Targaryen? Well, yeah, yes. pretty much. It's but called that's, House of Dragon. Doctor Who is in there. He doesn't age at all. Oh. <laughs> Apparently, he's Doctor Who again, from yep. what I understand. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, David Tennant. Oh, really? David Tennant he... is? I thought. Uh, have you not seen that's... the video? Yeah, he's, I don't he's watch back. that dumb. <laughs> so I can. I don't you. because it's Doctor Who. It's it's either shit or I, ironically shit. I can't tell which one. <laughs> it's definitely uh, meant to be. Well, it, Jackson's going looking for a TARDIS for yeah, an Earth yeah, TARDIS. He's, so he, he rages whenever I say that. <laughs> what? That is crap television. Yeah, but you watch it though, don't you? Oh God, no! What a taste. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I don't really watch TV. That shirt. That shirt says otherwise. Oh! <laughs> oh! Oh! oh, oh shots fired! Oh! Oh! Wow! Wow! Not even over oh. the bow, straight I, into I, it. I can see TJ's handprint on Ivan's face, man. <laughs> I mean, oh. I would. Be you can't upset, say that. I, I would. I would be upset, but I'm just too. I'm looking forward too much to Telford next week. Oh, you bastard! <laughs> and, a, and a few days in London with my boys. Yeah. Well, speaking of Burbank House of Hobbies, uh, I picked up the new V1 with the ramp today for on sale, fifty five bucks. Oh, that's a great price. Yeah. So that and it's I got their last one. So sorry, guys. So yeah, it's they have it for seventy nine. Did they have it? They got it knocked down to fifty five, so that was a great price. So yeah, I think Ivan paid about that price, but then paid like four times as much to get it I, to his house. I, I think so. You know, <laughs> you know, it might have been, might have been. I don't know, but see, I didn't we, have to pay any. I didn't have to pay any taxes. You know, transportation except for the gas driving from the store to my house. So we both bought one. I bought one after you bought it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's a, it's only eighty bucks. Um, so I went to the stores. I I love it for eighty eighty. Eighty dollars, and, and I got the Japanese tank. By the way, oh nice! Yeah, nice. <laughs> I think it's we'll huge. We're going to check out the the real launching ramp at uh, yeah. Duxford. Indeed, yeah. yeah. And I think the ramp is what thirty eight inches long, thirty seven inches. Long. Yeah, it's like that's going to be take up a whole lot of room. So, yeah. so Maverick, how many how many times did you get sick in the jet? I didn't get sick at all. Wow, zero. <laughs> The only time uh, I felt a little woozy is so we did, let's see, a couple loops, Immelman's, barrel rolls, um, just, you know, rolls and stuff. It just kind of just flew everywhere, essentially. And then the last thing we did uh, before we did some touch and goes was uh, aileron roll. So did a left aileron roll. I did a right. And then the pilot did a full stick aileron roll. And the full stick was the one that we're, we're, coming, we're coming around on approach. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, wow, I feel really wet right now. And I felt the sweat coming down through the helmet onto my face. I'm like, okay, I should get some air on my skin. So (laughs) I put my hand on the little vent and recovered probably within a minute. Um, But that was, that was the thing that, you know, cause your equilibrium just gets really thrown off in that type of maneuver. Everything else, like the loop, Immelman, um, barrel roll, you know, he would, the pilot would say, Oh, we're going to do this. And I would always like look that way and follow kind of pretend, I guess I was flying that way. And you can maintain your, you know, you know, sensory perception or whatever you want to call it 
through those maneuvers. But yeah, it was great. It was a lot smoother than I thought. There were no jerks. Um, you know, we even did some stalls and it didn't feel like you were falling or anything. It was just like simple nose over and then recover. Uh, very, very fun aircraft to go flying in. And uh, Steve Baker prepped me on what to eat and uh, what to drink beforehand. So yeah, it was it was great. And the iridescent paint job where it shape shifts between blue and purple is pretty pretty BA as well. So I have that T-38 and I will be building it in that scheme. So, but yeah, it was, it was incredible. Fastest hour of my life. So Ivan, you've got some massive shoes to fill as host of this event. You know, you've got the John Bonani standard of hosting. I'm going to tell you, it's not easy to live up to. Oh, I know. So sleep. So what do you think? Are you ready? Are you ready for these guys? Financially not, because it was payday today. I'm mean, dramatically <laughs> underpaid. That's always good. That's why Welcome you have credit cards. Yeah. <laughs> First payday, 500 shorter than it should have been. God's <laughs> truth. Yeah. <laughs> so It'll be absolutely fantastic. It, it's, Jackson got a pay rise recently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it's problem. I mean, what I think one of the best parts of it, super big shout out to john bryan who's picking us up from Huge. the uh i mean it's game changer that saves half a day so got to take care of him and he's uh, picking jackson and i up a lot of money oh, that's, that's a lot cool. of money half a day a lot less stress because we'll just get picked up at heathrow and go straight up and then we'll see you and jb's first priority is to go to cosford and when ivan came over here his first priority was to go to costco hey <laughs> <laughs> I can't well, we wait. Don't have, we don't have oh. exciting food outlets. Oh. Or anything exciting at all. I'm looking forward to the fish and chips. I know Jackson's looking forward to the chips. Part Just the, the chips. <laughs> Just the chips. Hold the fish. Hold the peas. Oh. I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I, I agree. Mushy peas, they can, they can jog on. The thing that's going to be disappointing is when we're in London, there's so many... Like I went to a great, uh, it was, it was a Cantonese place. Fantastic. Mm, Indian food too is great. And we'll, we'll stop by Mickey D's and get them some, uh, French fries. You can get some nuggies. I mean, I'll get some too. Let's be honest. (laughs) I was, I was a better than yours. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. That's just facts. Wow. Excuse you. (laughs) We, we, we invented Ronald McDonald. He's ours, (laughs) but a bit like your Mustang. We mastered it. Oh, I don't really like the Mustang, so I'm okay <laughs> oh, with right. that comment. <laughs> I'm a Spitfire guy, so. Yeah. But I, you know, I think one thing is for certain: we will live stream to Scott twice as much as we live stream to Ivan to just maybe rub it in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. and all the oh. all the food pictures. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting nauseous thinking about it right now, and it hasn't even happened. Yeah. It's gonna be absolutely fantastic. It's, there's just I, I keep telling JB and Jackson, just enjoy everything because that week is gonna be gone. Oh yeah, like, I mean we're less than a week away right now. And, and I, I, yeah, in in one week we will. Well, we asleep because it's half one in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, no, no one knows we will not be. We'll be drinking <laughs> pink gin and partying the night away. <laughs> God almighty, shoot me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Don't knock J- it until you've tried it. <laughs> J- JB, what's the one thing you're looking forward to the most? Uh, just to hang. I uh, This will be my fourth trip to London, fourth trip to England. So I've seen a lot of it, but haven't seen the show. This will be my third trip to Bovington, third trip to Cosford's, 
or second to Cosford, third to Duxford. So I've seen all the sites, but I haven't seen them. Um, you know, the first time I went with my dad, which was amazing. Second time I, uh, I went with Lindsay and the third time I went with her. So it's, uh, you know, I got good people. So this will be with Ivan and Jackson and also John Everett. You know, I'm looking forward to the Natural History Museum. That's something I haven't done in London. And we, I think we're going to do a champagne um, trip on the London Eye the last oh, we night you. we're there. We have to. So it'll be, uh, you know, toasting and, and just it'll be a good it'll be a good try date, if that's what you yeah. can call it. Threesome on the London Eye, as I keep saying. <laughs> <laughs> 